Now get ready for the time of your lives, because you are now watching Godcast. Everybody, welcome to Godcast, the show where one of the hosts now wants a Meta Quest 2 for the sole purpose of playing a Hatsune Miku VR game. I'm your host, HydraWave99, and I'm joined here today with, of course, Floof Alpaca. How are you today? No. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> I'm not here. <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, I'm okay, I guess. That's good, that's good. Um, so, obviously, we haven't been around for a few weeks. Yep. Uh, mental health struggles and all that, and... Now we're here, ready to present some news. We're in the last few weeks. This time we're not doing it in a nine-hour episode. <laughs> yeah. Um. Hopefully not, at least. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> as we both know. Um. That's a fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. To uh, you know, trim up a uh entire video. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah, so going forward, we're going to try and slowly veer back towards our roots where we kind of try to do more like one to two hour episodes rather than three to four. But this episode's going to be more like two to three because we've been gone for a few weeks and there's been n many notable highlights. Um, The only thing I do got to say is... uh, um. You're a son of a bitch for wearing that shirt. Uh, and I never really realized how much Hatsune Miku looks like Jenny from my life as a teenager robot. <laughs> Fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. And there we go. Must you salt the earth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the color scheme of the shirt, it's like a white and cyan color, so it really makes her look like the character that Alpaca mentioned. Yeah. Really, she has the color of someone who happened to rarely go outside all day, but she does happen to go outside like every few months. And bathes herself in neon strobe lights. There we go. Okay. Yep. And, totally and walking alongside a ferret. <laughs> it totally makes a lot of sense. Yes. And yeah. It's just common sense. Apply now. 
anyways, um, so Alpaca, what has been new with you for the last few weeks? Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I, you know, I, um, I think I mentioned before, but I got, I got my entire monitor set up. Um, I got five monitors. Uh, I didn't expect it to be like this. Originally, I, what I was going to do was it would be three monitors for one computer and then, um, two monitors for another. Um, but a part of me you know, uh, it's been influenced a bit by, uh, another tech YouTuber, um, like, because, uh, having two computers is a bit dumb, apparently, which, I mean, I, I kind of agree with now, because the points that that person made was, as long as you have a stable Wi-Fi, or stable Ethernet, and your graphics card is up to, you know, up to date, you know, up to stuff. Your processor is good enough, and a few other extra things. Um, you should be completely fine when it comes to, uh, you know, streaming with one PC or doing recording with one PC. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, even then, I don't know. It's probably overkill. Um, but, uh, what else? Um, uh, what else did I do today? Uh, uh, I don't know. I got Doritos. Cool Ranch. <laughs> cool Ranch Doritos are delicious. Yeah. Um, I, I got this, like, shelf over here. I think I mentioned it before, but I'm not sure exactly. But uh, there was this shelf that I had that I found on the side of the road. And uh, it broke as I was bringing it up the staircase because uh, the, the hallway in my house is so narrow that it, it was literally too, too tiny, you know, to fit the big desk. But now it's over there in the background. Um, and, uh, the leg fell off, but I didn't really glue it together. What I did was, like, I just let it balance on it while the leg was all already wedged, like, stably against two other, like, drawers. So, I mean, if it, if it doesn't collapse on me, I don't care. But if you hear, like, a big bang during this recording, uh, uh, I... I don't know. Just know that I didn't fall off my chair. It was actually something else. And that for some reason, Fufo Packet decided at the last minute not to just do a challenge pissing contest in his room. What? <laughs> is challenge pissing anyway i don't know but throw that one stupid ad it was hilarious oh yeah fuck you baltimore <laughs> if you're dumb enough to buy a car this weekend then you can go to hell 
Big Bill Hell's Cars or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Shove it up your ugly ass. <laughs> That's right. Shove it up your ugly ass. <laughs> well, fucker. That's right. Well, fuck you. Now I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, oh, my God. That fucking commercial. I know it was probably not real or ever aired on television, but if it was, then I would just hope that no child was in the vicinity. Um, not because anything actually explicit was shown, but the language, I mean, even back then, you'd kind of uh, upset some uh, more traditional people, I guess. Not sure if that's the right way of saying it, but uh, more uh, swearing is impolite sort of people. I mean, nowadays it's very, uh, it's very, uh, it's still less professional, but it's not as bad, I guess, nowadays. Like, there's not many people that are like, you kissed your mother with that mouth, you know. Right. Um, but, I mean, anyways, um, uh, got a new video up on my fall-through channel. Woo! I'm, uh, make it public now. So. All right. Yeah, so everyone, go watch it. I'll, if I can, I'll try to see if I can remember to add Fluff Alpaca's other channel's link in the description. You can all check it out. Yeah. And, uh, give it a bunch of likes. Um, hopefully. You know, I, I, anything to, you know, uh, make the uh, algorithm more tingly. And we can both, uh, shoot up into the algorithm front page exactly uh, something like that this stupid uh, podcast and then a let's play of a game yeah I'd, I'd hope um i'd hope it would be an us rather than just one of us exploding because i will recommend this podcast because like you're a good friend to me hydro and also i'm part of it so um among other things yeah i think it'd be best if we if it was we not just me or you exploding in the algorithm you know right it, what kind of because i mean granted it's been recently our channels have been more symbiotic in the fact that i know you've been on this channel a lot more than your own channels even so it's kind of like in some ways, it's like I pulled off an, uh, a Hydrowave 99 buys up Fufo Packer for $68 billion. Just kidding. Uh, but no, it's not. It's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be a more like a symbiotic relationship of two friends just dicking around the internet. <laughs> Certainly. Um, yeah, and uh, I just want to make sure that like you have motivation to you know, do YouTube as well, because I know it's it's a little more difficult when nobody is really giving you the credit that you feel you deserve, or that you actually deserve, you know? Right. So not only um, YouTube, but also just everything in the podcast and general, be it on 
Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Amazon, Audible, you name it. Yeah, here's hoping, you know. Um, being on, like, these different platforms, too, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, you know, because it is a difficult uh, place to be in when you're this small, you know. And, you know, it's like, um, I don't know, it's like uh, not being under a microscope, more like being uh, under, like, it's, it's like being a germ on a, you know, it's like being that tiny that nobody knows you're there, but you're trying to make an impact. Yeah, you're literally you know? a bacteria cell that has to be looked under a microscope, and you're that one cell that is very, very tiny that you're not going to be noticed in the blank eye. Yeah, pretty much. But we are also now on Reddit. Under the Hydrowave99 Reddit, you too can have another way to comment on the show and we will actually take these comments and feature them on the show hopefully oh yeah definitely i i um i appreciate uh being on uh reddit too because i i you know i i i knew about reddit for the longest time and i also knew about the whole uh um Reddit gets a lot of shit, I know, and I, I'm not sure if it's deserved at all, but it's, uh, I don't know, I, I just didn't want to really be on Reddit, because I was like, oh wait, what? Why, is, why are these people considered, like, I don't know, neckbeards or whatever, or, wow, you're a Reddit admin, <laughs> or something like that, uh, or a mod or something, and, like, that, that video of, um, I don't know. They just got this reputation, but I, I, you know, I, I don't really care because it's, it's not like what it seems in my opinion. I feel like more like Reddit is, um, actually kind of just a bunch of communities, and it's really hard to, uh, target them, you know, individually and just leave them under a general scope. You know, it's it's hard to call Reddit a a bad platform when there are so many wildly different communities that it's uh i mean it's like uh saying that all fruits are healthy when uh you know uh bananas are like radioactive apparently and pineapples eat your tongue like right. i guess and <laughs> or, now food alpaca has another place to search up alpaca images and ship posts Yes, 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 yes. Oh my god. Uh, being on Reddit, though, um, you can search anything. Almost anything, I mean. Uh, there are a few things you can't, but of, of course. But um, I can literally look up alpaca, the alpaca subreddit. R slash alpaca palooza. What? And it is just filled with alpacas. Um. There's like an anime thing right here, though, and I'm afraid. Well, that is uh, Alpaca's actual favorite subreddit. Um, my actual favorite subreddit, though, really, though, is... um, I don't know. Because, <laughs> uh, like... 
I haven't really been there as much uh, on Reddit, though. But uh, I guess... I don't know. What are the top gaming communities? Oh, Minecraft. Wow. Uh, but yeah, one thing about... Yeah. One thing about Reddit that's interesting, though, is that it's more of a form than a social media network. And it feels like we're just discovering Reddit. But honestly, it's... You know, it's our reaction to just exploring it a bit more and just seeing what it actually is. It's literally a forum. Yeah, it pretty much is a forum. You post something, a topic, and then it's just... Bleh, I guess. Um, but that kind of makes it nice in comparison to, say, maybe like Facebook or, or Instagram or Twitter, where while it's focused more interacting with your friends and sharing content with your friends... Reddit is more like, here's content you can post on specific forums and have a higher chance of interacting with new people and make new friends. Yeah. Certainly. Something that I hope that one day we'll be able to have more friends to collaborate on this show and be able to interact and do cool things. Mm -hmm. uh, and... You know, um, we have a Discord now, we have Reddit. Oh my god, don't forget to add the icon right next to the Discord, by the way. Oh, it already and is then... there. Oh, it is. Awesome. Awesome. It was um, from our original, one of our original sessions of episode 27, where we tried to make it all work, but when we tried to get back to it the next day or whatever, we alpaca just was not in the greatest space at the time. So we pushed yeah. it off a little further, and then it just happened to be that, like, hey, um, next week's news literally, the next week's news literally right around the corner with, by the time we would have finished it, so it was just, like, not worth it. Mm -hmm. So then we just combobulated a more streamlined episode with some of this week's news. Yeah. And hence, this is the result of that. So, eventually... When I actually can find time and actually can manage it properly, there will be a uh, Godcast BTS with this original session in it. And there you'll see our thoughts on things like the Fallout New Vegas 2 rumors and the Dice Awards and some Activision Blizzard content and all that other fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Even our thoughts on things like the Call of Duty 2022 game. 2023 games probably being delayed to the next year, which would be have massive implications on the industry. Yeah, I I wonder what um what a uh, a, a final year without like the only year that since the dawn of Call of Duty, I guess uh what it will be like to um wake up and be like. Well, there will be rioting in the streets. <laughs> uh, will there be... Uh, will the um, people who love the, the yearly cycle... You know, I wonder if Vanguard will... Uh, uh, like, Call of Duty Vanguard will... I, I just wonder what they're going to throw in to appease the people who want their yearly thing. Because... They can't, like, they can't really just, you know, they, I, I don't, I don't expect them to ever, um, just remake 
uh, or not remake, but like add like a separate section. You know, I don't, I, I just, I think they, they're gonna have to really stretch the budget, I guess, of Vanguard or something. You know, right. Well, or, or enough... at least fix Cold War. Right. Well, not make uh... it boring. Right. Well, enough about some of the news that we're gonna we have to talk that you'll see on BTS, whatever number that'll be. Because I know I have to eventually upload a geography segment that Pac and I were talking about. That's a really fun one. The history geography segment. That's a really fun one. When when Alpaca gets to learn about the history of things like the United States and the British Empire, that's a very fun segment. And yeah, so we have tons of news today. We got some things regarding PlayStation, especially the state of play that happened. Some Nintendo news, Pokemon. I mean, we have to talk about that and things like Call of Duty Mobile and oh, got well, I call it Call of Duty Warzone coming to mobile. Some acquisitions that happened and crypto news such as LimeWire becoming an NFT marketplace, like. What the hell? And then we have things like, well, the last topic it revolves a certain share. Uh, Alpaca knows what share this is. Yes, I I know it well. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, uh. Anyways, uh, you, you you ever just like have a, a like a you ever feel nauseous when when you think of something like it's 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 uh it's something I don't even know how how to, how to talk about other than uh I hope I never come across a squeaker. <laughs> And get, and get, uh, 360 no scoped while they're sitting in this quote unquote chair. Um, more news on that at 11. Literally, yeah. So Pro that yeah, we'll probably be done at 11. I don't know. <laughs> so with that out of the way, let's get on to some actual news this time. Um. We're going to start off with some PlayStation news. So I'm going to get all these PlayStation articles opened up. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we'll have some fun things to talk about on PlayStation land. All right. So the first thing we have to talk about is the fact that there is, you know, this uh, supposed Spartacus has some pricing unofficially reveal and you can see here that there's different price tiers you have what they call the PlayStation Plus essential tier which is at $10 that is pretty much what PlayStation Plus already is you get your monthly games and you can play online The PlayStation Plus Extra 
gets you some additional games added on there as well. And if you look down the article, it says that Meanwhile gets you the monthly games and a game catalog for $13 per month. The game catalog is a library of hundreds of older downloadable games. This seems like Sony ripped the download catalog out of PlayStation Now and popped it into PlayStation Plus instead. So, it seems like it's largely going to be whatever PlayStation Plus, you know, PlayStation Now is on top of PlayStation Plus. So, that doesn't seem that bad of an offer there. But then for $16 a month, which is a dollar more than Game Pass Ultimate... You get not only all the stuff from that, but you also get PlayStation Now streaming capabilities. You get a library of classic games as well as the new game trials feature. And it allows and the game trials is kind of similar to how Nintendo does it, where you can just download and start playing the full version of new PlayStation games, like a with like a time limit function of sorts. And obviously this allows you to stream these games on the PlayStation Plus service. I believe it'll work on your phone too and everything like that. So that's also something to keep in mind. But yeah, the main thing that this has not... Actually, I should clarify. The thing that PlayStation Plus Premium does not have in comparison to, like, say, a Game Pass. Game Pass gets day one exclusive games built into the service. PlayStation Plus premium and extra do not get that so I don't know what your thoughts are on the pricing situation well um I mean you know I I, I um so PlayStation Plus Essential um and PlayStation Extra. Um, obviously, you get three extra things, you know, with premium. Uh, and that's only $3 more. I, I, I kind of am not sure how to feel about the, you know, like, uh, the exclusion, I guess. Like, wh why are there, why are the tiers, they seem, uh, they seem like a, like a, a, like premium seems like a better deal overall uh but um no um i don't know uh it's i mean okay i guess it's playstation plus with a few extra things for like six dollars more or three dollars more uh, plus tax i guess mm. um <laughs> But, um, I mean, I don't know how I should feel about it too much, though, because, like, it just seems like they could just lump premium and everything together. Like, call it an upgrade, but you pay $5 extra instead of 16 or something. Yeah, like, I, like, I feel like with PlayStation in particular... If they want this service to literally be enticing, you gotta get your exclusives on the service. You gotta. Mm -hmm. And 
and with Xbox doing it, so that way, like, for instance, Fubalpaka can enjoy Starfield day one on Game Pass. And he doesn't have to pay $60. That's very enticing. Knowing that he could get every new Fallout game day one going forward. It's very enticing. And with the potential of a, of you know the Activision Blizzard deal, having the Call of Duty games be day one and not be headed by, you know, someone who is a total allowance of perverted culture in the in a company. That's even a bigger sell, cause then he could, pl- yeah, cause then he gets his Call of Duty and Fallout's day one, and he doesn't have to pay sixty dollars for them. That's a big one. Certainly. With PlayStation Plus, especially with extra and premium, the fact that you're not getting things like God of War, Demon Souls, Ratchet and Clank. Like, all these games that a lot of people consider to be, like, high-tier, excellent games and that are exclusive to the PlayStation platform. It just shows that it feels like... It's like a half-step to Game Pass. Like, it's not exactly the same. And it's often, too, the way they handle, like, the classic games kind of remind me of how Nintendo does their service, where they kind of... Well, it doesn't look like they're separating off as its own apps, per se. But for some reason, it kind of jives with me. Like, this is essentially a mix of Game Pass with Nintendo Switch Online. The fact that game trials are, like, a, a selling feature for PlayStation Plus Premium and you get classic games, it reminds me this is, like, a mix of what Nintendo's trying to do and what Microsoft's trying to do. I think that's a fair some, uh, observation. Right. Another set of news we have to talk about too is the fact there's actually a the design of the PlayStation VR two headset has been revealed. And you scroll just a little bit down. There she is. That's what the headset looks like. Now, I we did notice that the controls were revealed earlier. It does line up with what, you know, typical VR controllers look like, which is pretty much an improvement from PS3 technology that they've used with PSVR 1. It looks like a futuristic, like, mic boom. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but the funny thing, too, is that the it's funny. The PlayStation 5 design was actually partially influenced because they wanted the v- PSVR 2 headset and the PS5 to look similar to each, to each other. And you can see it by the yeah, dual-tone but... color. And everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, it definitely looks similar. You know, it looks like the PlayStation 5's uh, sort of design scheme. Um... Um, but I don't know. It it looks a bit like a mic boom from from this angle. But I I bet it's comfortable. I bet it's comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'd I'd hope that uh, it feels 
more controllable than a lot more other uh, VR headsets because I I tried the PS um, Four PSVR, and I gotta say, while I well, I um, you know, I've I've tried it out a little bit. I I don't know if I can really call it like flawless. I guess you, you like certain things you don't pick up right away, like literally in the game, or like you know you don't you feel a bit uh um I don't know you, you feel a little bit drunk. <laughs> Yeah, um, because, like I said, because they've been using the same controller for the PlayStation 3 versus when, like, the Oculus headsets and the HTC Vive headsets were around, they used much more advanced controllers than what the PlayStation Move were using because they were stuck with using PlayStation 3 technology. I see. So it's using older technology for its controllers. Yeah, and that, that makes a lot of sense, um, considering, like, how it, like, the way I described it with being drunk uh, versus like something like the Oculus Quest 2 or uh, which I've also tried thanks to someone else. Uh, I mean, it's it's as it's better with, with the Oculus Quest 2, like, but I, I've also noticed that with VR sometimes when some it takes a little while to get used to not actually being able to feel the physical object in the game but i feel like uh quest 2 did it better of course at least from my experience because of you know now now that you mentioned that they used older technology from the playstation 3 uh that little like wand thing uh you know um uh i mean i i feel like uh feel like this is this looks like a step up, considering you're not playing with those little, like, clown nose things, or, if, I guess. Um, you're not using the new controllers. Like, and you can see, like, yeah. the more screenshots of this throughout the article here. Like, you see, like, the first one here, and you can see the different screenshots. And, yeah, you can see, like, this looks way more comfortable, way more advanced. Certainly. Um, and they say that they're going to add features such as lens adjustment dial so you just have an additional option to match the lens distance between their eyes they asked they actually created a slimmer design with a slight weight reduction so it's actually lighter than the original playstation vr headset and they're going to add like the dual sense technology into the headset itself so you can feel vibrations and stuff within the game itself on the headset that's good yeah, so they've made a lot of ergonomic changes to try to make it a lot more comfortable. I mean... That's odd, though, having the headset vibrate. <laughs> yeah, whoever, whichever one of us gets this headset first, we'll have to definitely see if we can get our, if we can get our hands on it and see if we can review it. I, um, or give us our first impressions or something. Yeah. I certainly like the idea of the lens being adjustable. I, like, uh, me, I, I have glasses. I wear glasses. Um, I'm nearsighted, unfortunately. And uh, if, if the lenses can move a bit more forward than usual, and I don't feel like the damn thing is pressed up against my face, like, you know? Mm. Um, because sometimes with some VR, I literally have to remove my glasses, and then the already 
less than stellar resolution of both eyes um, combined with my nearsightedness, but also the depth of field sort of stuff. I don't know. I, I literally can't see. I feel like I'm, I'd just be, be better off just using the TV screen. Yeah, and on top of it, too, with the PSVR 2, there's, you know how with the PlayStation VR 1, you had, like, a box you had to plug it into, and then it plugs to the system? Yes, I, I distinctly remember that from when I tried it out. With the PlayStation VR 2, it just, oh, you just plug it right into the, in, right into the system, and you're good to go. There's no additional box or anything. You just, you just plug it in, and it works. Alright. Well, that's of, good. Yeah, and on top of it, fucking giant power brick anchor yeah you don't have to deal with that and apparently it's gonna be able to run it's gonna run your images within like 4k it says there are plenty of exciting new features to look into for the psvr 2 system including some visual fidelity in 4k hdr and save our graphical rendering so it looks like it's gonna render things at very high resolution thanks to the ps5's capabilities it's got enhanced tracking such as inside out camera tracking and, yeah, like I said, the new controller, which are much more comfortable. But I do say this is a very good direction for this headset. I'm looking forward to see one of us gets either one of us gets our hands on it or sees coverage to look at. Yeah. Um, but looking at the senior art director. Um, uh, the giant he, quote. Uh, Eugene Morisawa. Mm -hmm. Is that how you say it? Um I believe so. Then again, I have, the, I have the Japanese shirt. That makes us the expert of the two of us. Just kidding. Go fuck yourself. I was <laughs> kidding. <laughs> anyways, um, motherfucker told me the history of anime. I've seen this, like, it looked like Mickey Mouse, but it was a fish. It looked like, uh, Damien. I, I forgot his, no, Darwin from Amazing World of Gumball. Uh, uh, similar to the vents on the PlayStation 5 console that allows airflow, didn't D-Brand have, like, a conniption fit over how, like, the, the, their design was much better than the choke, chokingness, like, consensual choking of the PlayStation 5's, like, design? <laughs> I, I don't know. Just, I, I remember that they, um... They made a point that it was much better than the actual faceplates uh, from the actual product. I think the reason for know. that was because of the fact that the... Yes, it largely is the same, like, overall flow. I think the only slight difference is because of that one little area on the D-brand plate where there's that fan outlet. Mm -hmm. It makes it only slightly cooler, but not by much, though. Oh, I see. All right, because like. <laughs> but anyways, um, back to the article. Here, here's hoping the, uh, yeah, this VR two thing doesn't have that um, same problem. I, I would love to see D Brand roast this and create like a faceplate for the front of the VR headset that was just, uh, uh, the CEO of PlayStation smiling. You you know like that one photo of Miyamoto. Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, where he's laughing. 
Yeah, I have a feel what they'll do with this, honestly, based off what I can tell, is if Debrit actually did want to do something with it, they could just make skins. I don't think this, based off the design here, I don't think there's any faceplates, so no reason to destroy that. Just Debrit makes some new skins, there you go. Oh, I see. But Still, it would be nice to see that. Just like, hey, Timmy. How you enjoying your new PSVR? I love it, Dad! He turns over, and the dad just sees that smiling grin from the CEO. And is just like, I made a fucking mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I was going to move us up to the next topic here, which is the state of play that happened this week. Mm -hmm. And... Most important of them all, too. So this is the yeah, this is the most important one because this is this is a showcase that happened this week, but it primarily even it mostly focused on Japanese games. This is the stuff that Alpaca wants to buy a PlayStation for because Xbox doesn't get I get as much of it. <laughs> um, I know you're I... waiting for it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so we have a couple announcements here. This was a 20-minute show, so it wasn't that long. Sorry. It's, I, it's funny. You said I was saying 20 minutes, and it was like, no, we're going wide. Anyways, uh, our first announcement here was with Exoprimal. This is a co-op shooter game. It has like Left 4 Dead elements in it. A lot of people thought this was going to be more like Dino Crisis, which was an old, which is another one of Capcom's dormant IPs. But instead, it, they decided to make it exoprimal, and there's like mech suits, you fight off like waves of dinosaurs. Uh, so, uh, Dino Fighters was a, a Capcom game, right? Dino Crisis. Dino Crisis? Oh, sorry. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. Sorry. That was a Capcom game? Yep. Okay, I see. Well, then... Couldn't they... Uh... Maybe they could make this, like, a spin-off. Who knows? You think they would put, like, Dino Crisis Exo Primal as, like, the name of the game, but no, because Dino Crisis 1 was essentially a survival, more like a horror game that involved dinosaurs in the sci-fi setting. Apparently, Dino Crisis 2 was a more action-oriented game. Oh, okay. And then... There was also Ghostwire Tokyo got another trailer, which that game's coming up pretty soon anyway, so if you have a PlayStation system, look out for that game. And then there's another demo for Strangers of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. This is actually a game... Well, are you familiar with the Neo series of games? Not really. Not it's really. kind of like a Dark Souls-ish kind of game that is based on like like feudal Japan. Okay. Not exact Dark Souls, but it's not even made by Dark Souls. It's made by Toei. Wow. 
Toy Tecmo, I believe it is, yeah. Okay. So that's that. And then there's another trailer for Forspoken. And then they introduced Gundam Evolution. It is a free-to-play first-person shooter Gundam game that is kind of looks like a hero shooter. Oh, I see. Huh. And then there's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Cowabunga Collection. This is the thing that retro gaming fans would love, especially Flip Alpaca. Oh, certainly, yeah. I um, I remember uh, watching a video on um, on how uh, you know, th- uh, they um, they really uh delayed, uh, not delayed. Uh, they really kind of hid the arcade thing behind closed doors, right? Like uh, the arcade port, I guess you know, which I assume was way better, right? Well, the thing is that what this is, that it's bringing a lot of these Teenage Mutant Turtle games that were around, like the NES, the, NES, the Super Nintendo, the Genesis, and some of the Game Boy and arcade games, and they're bringing them forward. So you don't have to worry about salvage hunting down a Super Nintendo just to get Turtles in time. Okay, I see. Um, it, yeah, it's just... um. I mean, I, I'm happy about that, you know, about, about this. Um. And I, I almost, I, I really actually love the, uh, the um, border that they created too. <laughs> mm. um, um, I mean, I, I'm excited about this. You know, it's games being ported. You know, mm. uh, games being brought back to the uh, front of the, uh, you know, the experience. I guess exactly. Um, I just hope we don't get a bunch of like people who are like, this game sucks. It's too hard <laughs> or something. I, mean, I, I would hope that they didn't touch upon the difficulty too. <laughs> right. Um, uh, the next game they also brought was Gigabash, which is apparently a multiplayer kaiju sort of game. Oh, uh, yeah. Huh. So. And then there's Jojo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R. This is actually a JoJo fighting game. Uh, okay. With 50 playable characters. Huh. At launch. Well, that's good, I guess. It's mm-hmm. a fighting game, I guess. With If you like JoJo, I guess. Well, this is the game Hopefully that Alpaca wants to play, leg. so there you go. I hope you don't kick, kick with your bad leg this time. <laughs> Anyways, um, it's a JoJo reference. Just kidding. Yeah, no, it literally is. Um, <laughs> uh, like, like there was like a, there was like I think there was outcry or something about how Dio, uh, he had, there's this vampire dude I guess, um, and his name's Dio, and like, he had a, like a broken leg or something, and then he kicked with that leg, uh, against some bad guy or a good guy I guess, and then he got killed. So, right. Yeah. Uh, don't know much more than that. Trek to Yomi is the game after that, and it essentially is a side scroller samurai game. Looked like it was pretty decent. And then after that, there's Returnal. The Returnal gets a new update as co op and a new, like, Tower of Sis- Sisyphus mode. 
which looks like, like a leveling tower of sorts, like a like a challenge tower. And then the show ended off with these last two announcements here: the Dialfield Chronicle and Valkyrie Elysium. Dialfield Chron Chronicle is looks it, when oh, when I remember when I first saw this, a lot of people were thinking this was going to be Final Fantasy Tactics, like a new Final Fantasy Tactics game. But this, even though it's similar, it's not quite that. It's still a tactical RPG, though. But you get the idea. And then they closed Yeah, and then they closed up with Valkyrie Elysium, which is a 3D action RPG. Now, this is actually part of the Valkyrie Profile series. Apparently. And that game was apparently like a, I guess like a 2D game. This is actually going to 3D, it's actually an action RPG. But looking at this overall, I would say if you're a first-party Sony fan, this was definitely not the show for you. Because a lot, of, I'm sure, as many of you know, a lot of Sony's most recent first-party games are all Western. Last mm -hmm. of Us, God of War, all those sort of games. A lot of the studios that Sony has now are Western. They don't have a lot of Eastern presence. Well, as they don't have as much of it anymore. Aside from Tiwasabi, which does Astro. So, some of these games, I'm sure if you were a fan of, of some of these series or whatever, the ideas, this show actually was a very compelling show. And some, I think some, and some people like Pufapaka probably would argue that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles announcement, probably the best announcement in the entire show because it brings classic retro games forward let alone games that are highly beloved you know what i like though the fact that they never mentioned abandoned <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh if it, if they did it would have been like a five second clip of uh i don't know <laughs> some guy walking through a forest and they would have said, oh, this is rendered in real time, by the way, dude. This is fucking groundbreaking technology. <laughs> Sorry. I feel like Sony definitely strayed away from that game, though, so. Oh, they really did. I, I have not heard anything of it. You know, I like, let me just look it up. Abandoned video game. Uh... Okay, uh, yeah, the latest thing was, like, I think December, uh, like, around Christmas, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, uh, thanks, Blue Box. <laughs> I mean, Blue Balls, I mean, fuck, I don't know. Right. I think at this point we should probably get moving on the Nintendo stuff coming up. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's only rumors for abandon anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, on to this. Yeah. A couple of Nintendo announcements here. And the first one that we have to talk about is the fact that Nintendo actually bought off this company called SRD. Now, a lot of people are going to look at this and be like, wait a second, what is SRD? I mean, prior to me mentioning it, I'm sure you never thought of what in the world this is. Yeah, personally, I 
I didn't know what SRD was. Um, and I was like, uh, I wouldn't say bamboozled, but I, I was like, oh, okay. What, yeah. what is this? So what, oh, okay. Yeah, so what this is, is this is a official Nintendo document here that we're looking at. And what this is, is that SRD essentially is a support studio that's helped with Nintendo for nearly four decades. And apparently that's also was in the same, they also been in the same office as Nintendo throughout all this time. Okay. So, that's also interesting. And then, if we... Uh, yeah, not what to say, but yeah, it just is a port studio that's been around with them for... That's been in partnership with Nintendo for about four decades, which is actually a pretty cool, a significant amount of time, to think about it. Especially with the fact that they've been, at times, like, living in the same headquarters, pretty much. Like, you'd be surprised that they... You you think they'd technically be a part of Nintendo this entire time? Yeah, I I see. Um, yeah, they they. This was inevitable, honestly. Mm. You know, if if you're if you're that like uh, close to a you know a you know a company, it, it's. I mean, it's pretty obvious that it's more than just uh you know um. It's more than symbiotic. It's literally, we now own you, sort of thing. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Like, it, it just seems uh, they, um, they would have done this a long time ago, but I guess didn't. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, another thing to note too is that Nintendo really is not as big into the acquisition game as Sony or Microsoft, and definitely not Microsoft. Yeah, certainly. No, I, I don't. I don't think they. I don't think they're. Uh, th there's not enough headlines that tell me that they are into that sort of uh, business compared to like how Sony, like you know how Sony, like uh, in an early episode, they acquired uh, what was that studio? They acquired a few studios, and Microsoft, of course, swallowed up the big baddie, Activision Blizzard, <laughs> alongside a bunch of others. So yeah, we also talked about how Sony acquired Bungie and. Yes! Oh my god, yes! I oh, oh, holy shit, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, they, they, they fucking swallowed up Bungie. They were like... <laughs> Good job, Microsoft. <laughs> um, we're, we're gonna buy the studio that made your mascot now. Thanks for stealing Call of Duty from us, you assholes. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, me, me and me and Activision had a big deal with COD, Mountain Dew and Doritos. So now we're just gonna swallow up your mascot now. <laughs> Goodbye, Master Chief. But not really, cause they're owned by Three Four Three now. But uh, anyway, it's uh, see you next Tuesday, guys. Anyways, I was kidding. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who I don't know who I was channeling there, but uh. That was like the Sony, uh, more or less the Sony fanboys, I guess. Then, more more than the actual CEOs, I guess. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. No offense. Yeah. But I mean, Sony also bought a quite a number of smaller studios, like mostly support studios, at least. 
what, what we've noticed. I think the only other big one I could think of was Insomniac. Yeah. Which um, was the one that, that really pushed the PS5 launch was like Miles Morales and Ratchet and Clank. Because my mm-hmm. god, if it wasn't for Insomniac, god, that freaking PS5 launch would have been drier than it already is. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think so too. Mm. Um, because uh, like th- those were the biggest announcements I know, and um, it's probably the best decision they made, honestly. Yeah, uh, but yeah, good um, for Nintendo for grabbing a support studio. I mean, this will help with get, getting their games out faster. Mm-hmm. And. Our next Nintendo news is the fact they actually added missions and rewards to Nintendo Switch Online. Ooh, achievements! Yes, they actually finally, out of all these years, found a way to get some form of achievements on there. It's not exactly achievements, because I'm not really a gamer score per se, but essentially you gain points through completing these tasks, and you get new profile pictures and borders around your profile picture and all that other stuff some completing tasks within the game. You can buy uh, Frog Mario. I, I, you, this is literally buying NFTs, though. What? <laughs> what is this? What? Why is there a golden shroom or uh, Goomba? What the fuck are they called? Wow, I, I can't believe I just said that. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can buy this like anthropomorphic hat with teeth. But I think that's actually a boo. Um, it's a boo with the hat. You can buy Captain Chode. Uh, Toad, sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I, can we buy Froggy Chair, though? Dude, if Froggy Chair became something you could buy off of this, I probably would actually buy the Froggy Chair and temporarily make it my profile picture for a day. Yes. Thank heaven for Froggy Chair. And everybody else who developed in uh, back then, but uh, Froggy Chair. Anyway, sorry. I don't know. Um, why is there a cold surrounding a fucking chair? Oh, I don't shit, know. Wait. But yeah, but like I said, they also are introducing like icon frames and stuff like that. So you can get these elements that are like different frames or background elements to make the whole thing more unique and honestly just imagining myself just getting a different background from my profile picture would be pretty dope like imagine putting my me in front of the breath of the wild background uh you'd be committing a cardinal sin but uh otherwise that's fine just as long as it's not a hot scene me me we're good you're a son of a bitch <laughs> Oh yeah, we have Hatsumiki over here. Motherfucker. <laughs> now totally ingrained within the entire episode as like screen burning. <laughs> I, I, I'm full screening my own because I don't ever want to peer over <laughs> and be like, hmm. Oh, what's that on the shirt? Oh no. Oh no. I still... <laughs> I still owe child support from those babies. I'm just kidding. Uh, and apparently basically, uh, basically, that joke was uh, it's a meme on the Discord. Join <laughs> it, you'll be able to see it. 
Atsuni Miku is a great friend. <laughs> Etc. <laughs> apparently there's also different, like, March missions, and you can see, like, September stuff, stuff here. I think the most important thing is the fact that, yeah, this is a time to try to create a way to gain some sort of achievement, and this is good news for replayability and just getting tasks in the game. Mm-hmm. But what I find with the most important Pokemon, the most important Nintendo-related announcement is this Pokemon Presents. And we start right off with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Which are Gen 9 Pokemon games. And you can see they specifically highlight their open world adventures. So they're actually open world Pokemon games. Oh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then if we click on the link here, we can actually view the starters. They show the stars off in the trailer. And now Alpac gets to decide which starter he wants. If he ever gets this game for a Switch. Okay, I see Pikachu tail. This guy talking. And then what do we got? Uh, Wait, where is it? In the video? One second. It's like close to the end uh, of the video. Anyways. Oh, okay. Uh, but, I, oh my god, what is this? Uh, okay, so, we got, uh, Leafeon x Skitty, we got Dig Dug, uh, and we got Scoot from Animal Crossing with a hairdo. Right, so the grass one is Sprigatito, the, what, the red one's actually a crocodile, that's Fuecoco. And the duck is Quaxley. I know Alpaca wants to pick the duck. <laughs> what is that name? <laughs> oh, God. Quaxley? It looks like Elvis Quaxley. Oh, I see what the joke is. It looks like fucking Elvis Presley, but it's it's a duck. <laughs> uh, okay. You know, I like the duck and the uh, the uh, uh, green cat, whatever yep. it was called, Rigatoni. Sprigatito. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. But yeah, I'm, I'm now displaying the starters on screen here. So, I am Teen Sprigatito by a log shot. I like the green cat. Okay. Yeah, I, I like it too. It's cute. I mean, Alpaca is um, fully on Team Quaxley. Team Duck. What? <laughs> it literally knows it's the duckling Pokemon. So, explain that. Uh. Nintendo ran out of ideas. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but as far as like, uh, what what was this like a uh, uh, chocolate crocodile thing? Wait, Coco, uh, the fire. Mister Choco. <laughs> what? Hit Hitman Choke. Uh, 
so that's a thing, I guess. <laughs> so people think it's going to involve like a chili pepper or something based off the fact that there's little like tuft on his head, on his head and it's, his eye almost looks like an apple. So you had me at he turns into a pepper. But yeah, it kind of does. Like if you think about it, the little tuft of his head looks like a stem. It, uh, it's going to be another executor. <laughs> I mean, as long as a lone executor. I don't think it's going to be. No, I forgot. I forgot what that looks like. You forgot what a lone executor looks like. Lowland Executor images at Rainbow. What is this? Uh, am I looking at it right? It just looks like a giant, like, oh, and a very okay. long neck. Are you fucking kidding me? It's just Executor that looks like a fucking uh, alpaca that had a bunch of binders wrapped around its neck. <laughs> God. That is creativity right there. Does it also have, like, this berry on its tail? Is that different? Like a coconut thing or something? It's green. I don't know. Well, apparently, it. it I guess it's also part dragon, apparently. So, use your imagination with that one. Um, my imagination typing. is, uh, that's to balance the fairy types, and that's it. <laughs> Sylveon for life. Well, that makes Sylveon more powerful, because you realize that fairy defeats dragon. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I just put a little bit up on the second page here. You can see some screenshots for what this new Pokemon game is going to look like. Sure. So, if you just go on the main Pokemon Presents page, you'll see a link that leads you to the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet website, and you scroll down a little bit, you'll see screen six screenshots. So two of the screenshots kind of show you, like, actually three of them kind of show you the scale of the open world. One of them shows the player house, one of them shows the player character walking on a road, and one kind of shows, like, a city. Hmm. And this region is actually supposedly supposed to be heavily inspired by Spain. Okay. Yeah. Olaf Lufapaka. Uh, I kind of see this, you know, Spain in it. Mm -hmm. um, although this city looks a lot like uh, Isle Delfino from Super Mario Sunshine. This, uh, the one with the, uh, Swablu's, yeah, looks a lot like it. Kind of does, yeah. It, you can definitely tell there's like a Mediterranean vibe to it, which I believe it's actually Spain, basing off the mm -hmm. what we're seeing here. Yeah, which is uh, actually interesting because it is connected to Kalos, which is based off of France. Okay. So use your imagination of if we're just gonna see if we're gonna see Mega Evolutions back in this game, which I would love Mega Evolution to come back. I found that was the best gimmick of between Gigantamax and Z moves. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would be the best if they just brought Mega Evolutions back. That was the most hype thing ever. Like, who would not remember when Pokemon X 
and Y came out, and you saw freaking Mega Charizard and Mega Venusaur and Mega Blastoise. Yeah, it didn't Shiny uh, Ch Mega Charizard or didn't regular Mega Charizard look like Shiny Charizard? So there's actually two Mega Charizards. There's Mega Charizard X and oh, Mega yeah. Charizard Y. Yeah, I. Oh my god, I forgot. Uh, Mega Charizard Y looks like an enhanced version of his classic design, and then Mega Charizard X is the black and blue one. Yeah, yeah, now I'm, now I'm looking at it, okay. Um, but what happens if you have a shiny one? Is it just an inverse? I believe so, so whatever. Wait, no, is it red? I don't think it's red, but like you get the idea. It'll, it, different set of colors. If you're curious, you could actually look it up, but we have, besides that point, I do think these games are going to be in the right direction for Pokemon. They definitely look better than Sword and Shield. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. Cause I remember when Sword and Shield were announced and showed off, a lot of people complained about the visual style of the game and the graphics department not being the greatest. I mean, granted, this is still not like frick playing freaking Witcher 3 on max settings on PC or anything like that, but it's still a step in the right direction, at least. It shows Game Freak's at least catching up. And yeah, yeah, that's probably the major announcement of that direct. Uh, there's also a update for Legends Arceus, which is nice to see. Um, some more Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl content, which in which you get a letter from Oak that gives you Shaman. Oh, and the Arceus update pretty much a lot gives you more outbreaks and stuff like that. Some more content and mystery gifts and stuff. So there you go. Uh, Pokemon Go. Yes. Alpaca's favorite Pokemon game. No. I don't even have it installed on my... I, I installed it once in, like, 2016. Uh, and that was it. And then I ran out of space on my phone and realized I stopped playing it for a long time, so... But still, yeah. it's your favorite Pokemon game. Anyways... No, it's not. I only like Pokemon Go in real life. <laughs> Anyways, um, they're bringing Alola Pokemon into the game. So soon you could catch Alolan Executor. Yeah, and I'm disappointed that it's... What if we put a choker on an Executor as it's evolving? Hmm. Wow. I just hear the springing noise like spring. Then yeah. again, I, the ones on the alone forms are actually pretty nice. Like they're actually a lowland Vulpix, and they actually made it an ice type. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That was actually pretty cool. I like, I'd like, you know, I do like some of the alone Pokemon. They actually kind of just look uh, like, um, some of them are actually creative. You know, especially turning Vulpix into a, a nice type. Uh, uh, Alolan see. Meowth, Alolan Mudk... Not Mudkip. Uh, you get the idea. Mudkip. Not Mudkip. No, Wait, Mudkip. what the fuck? Oh, okay, never mind. I thought Meowth had, like, 
that camps, but it's like fan art. I'm sorry. That's fine. That should not be a fucking image in your head, but it is. No, I'm thinking of like. I got. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting Lolan forms for sure. And it also carries, in this concept of Lolan forms, it carry into Sword and Shield with the Galarian forms. And in Legend Arcus, they introduce Hisuian forms. There's a Gen 7, they actually introduce regional variants. So certain games will actually have altered forms of certain Pokemon. It's pretty cool. <laughs> kind of like how when you go to different areas of the world, there's like different, you know, Variants of the same species. They kind of wanted to mimic that, and they did. Yeah, like I, I know foxes in the desert. There's a, it's called a fennec fox. Mm. Those are really like cute. They're like they have so, they're like foxes. But imagine a fox that looks like Momo from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Um, All right. Um, Pokemon Unite yeah. got some gifts, whatever. So in Pokemon Unite, that's the Pokemon MOBA. Um, you can get Hoopa, which is interesting Pokemon. And then in Pokemon Masters EX, they offered some bonus goodies in order to celebrate its two and a half years of existing. And if you don't know what Pokemon Masters is, it's the game in which you get, like, different, like, pairs of trainer and Pokemon. Battle stuff, I guess. That's like yeah, the best I way I can explain it. I haven't really caught up on that. But... Me neither. Okay. There's Pokemon Cafe Remix, which also gets a bonus, such as a limited Bulbasaur accessory. Increased chances of shiny Piplup appearing. And more. It's Pokemon Cafe Remix literally is a Pokemon puzzle game that takes place in the cafe setting. Oh, so Pokemon Shuffle, but better. Kinda, it's, it kinda seems like it has more of a Candy Crush-ish style of gameplay. But, if it, 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 it is available on mobile phones, I believe, so you can actually check this one out. Oh, okay. Sure. I mean, then again, you can also play Pokemon League of Legends, too, and just have Pokemon Toxic watch League of Legends mix with Pokemon and have a weird blend of a toxic community. They don't know how toxic it actually is, though, so... Uh... I don't know about toxic. I just... I know there's the joke that they don't take showers, but... That's... Sure I think that. that's... I think that's more melee. Oh. But, anyways... That's it for the Pokemon stuff. I mean, most of it was pretty good. I mean, actually, most of it was okay. Mostly minor rewards. But then you get to Scarlet and Violet. And that is the real star of the show. Yeah, I think so, too. Knowing that we found a Flufal Pack as new favorite Pokemon with no. Quaxley. No. Although, I'm getting a plushie of... The duck. And then I'm, like, gonna give it to somebody and never speak them to them again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, I mean... It, yeah, it, at least I'm not buying uh, NFTs and then gifting it to somebody. Which, we have to talk about that because 
Now we have Pixel Bond. This weird thing, I swear to God. I, I have no idea what Pixelmon is, aside from it's, I, you know, when I think of Pixelmon, I actually, I, I just think of, like, uh, um, I don't know, using, like, uh, those melt beads to make, like, pixel art of Pokemon. Right. My, so what it. this whole thing is, and get ready for this, because we did yeah. talk about this a little bit, too, before we start talk. we're going to start talking about this now. It essentially was supposed they were trying to be the Pokemon of NFT games. And apparently what happened was that so back in February they released a collection of ten thousand Pixelmon NFTs in February and they managed to raise seventy million dollars. And afterwards, what happened was that they unveiled what the Pokemon would look like at the, in the real world. And pretty much what they did was, I think they did a little bit of false advertising here. Because once I get this page to load up, you'll see like the illustrations for what they thought people thought this stuff was going to look like and what it actually looks like. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, please, th this first image is astounding. Um, let me know when it loads and when you're scrolling over the Pixelmon, the actual artwork, because, um... Yeah, so we're just currently on the stuff that they were trying to promote initially. You can see, like, some dragons. Oh, yeah, certainly, but when you get to that one, I, like... This is fucking like. This is like. I don't. I don't know how to explain it, but the actual reveal was um was like, something. Like the things they've been teasing look like they'd be really cool to have as an NFT. Yeah, I mean, and I then guess, you get yeah. to the, the actual thing, and oh no. Oh no, that's a great way to put it. Oh no, why, what is this? Why does it look like a zombie sprouting out of a grave? Why is the grass terrible? What, why does this look beyond low resolution? This looks like it got compressed in like paint or something and then got um, expanded out to like 4K. It, it, it looks terribly compressed. Look at this, like, purple, like, jack-o'-lantern-looking thing. Yeah. But, what the fuck are, are these things down here? This just looks like you're seeing through the map in Minecraft. Like, that's a lava and water and... Yeah, you know, I, I noticed this too. It's like the grass is covering what the creature actually is. Like, they fail to generate the actual creature above the grass. Yeah. You can't even see what the hell it is. And then you go down even more, you see a freaking ape. And even that looks not the greatest. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then yeah. you scroll down even more. 
and everyone just disgusted and disappointed. And um, yeah, and it says Cyber the Swedonim's creator of Poke Pixelmon made the reveal wet point in the project's Discord server. It says I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. We made a horrible mistake. This is unacceptable. We feel pressure to push reveal, and the reality is we weren't ready to push the artwork. This does not represent the brand, and we will fix it as we have let many people down with this reveal. He said two million dollars will be spent to completely revamp the art. The Pixelmon team, which is full pseudonymous, has also partnered with Magic Media, a video game development studio. And it says, no matter how long it takes or how much fear, uncertainty, and doubt occurs, we are committed to delivering on our long-term vision and everything which was set out in our light paper. Well, apparently it says, the story doesn't quite end at that point, as uh, the Pixel Mod art reveal was such a public failure that it spawned an icon, or at least a meme, in Kevin, the turtle creature that became the face of the reveal. This this is not a turtle, this is a zombie raising out of a grave. Mm. What, you know the funny <laughs> thing? Yeah, hey, you know the funny thing? <laughs> <laughs> this looks like Hank Hill. Look on the very left of, of uh, Kevin uh, AFC 007. That looks like AVGN and Hank Hill had a baby. And down there, oh my god, this guy with his uh, with his hands out like that? That looks like fucking uh, Wolverine from the Logan movie. Who is this lady? <laughs> Who is this lady? She looks terrified. <laughs> Hulk. Yeah, see the you miss a hundred percent of the shots you'd ever take. Covered up with Kevin. You know, um some of them some of them are okay. Like if you look at this uh this Reaper thing down here with like the golden accents. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. But then again, the background is a little too dark to... Mm -hmm. It doesn't contrast. And the grass um, is just so shitty. Yeah. I mean, that grass needs to get fixed. <laughs> yeah. We really need a texture pack on, on that. Uh, it, it, it and honestly, like the one a, that's beneath the Reaper actually looks pretty cool, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that looks like a like a spider walker thing. It looks like something from uh, I don't know, uh, Star Wars, I guess. Yeah, like that one actually looks pretty decent too. Again, change the freaking grass. Yeah, and make that like thing with the spikes on it. Make that fire like a laser beam. Do we? Uh, where should it be aimed at? I'm thinking. Um... Bobby Codex. That works too. Yeah. Um, other than that though, I mean, 
Some of the creatures are cool, but man, what a shitty way to let a lot of NFT investors now down. Especially they raised like seventy billion, like seventy million dollars to get this thing fixed up. Like my god. Yeah, I mean, so uh... much disappointment from seventy million dollars of investment. My god. <laughs> Yeah, and this, you know, in my opinion, even though I, you know, I'm not really much of a fan of NFTs as they are right now, I, you know, I, I still, I know that this is kind of like a, a bad look on NFTs, you know, like this is headline worthy, oh, and that all the things that we a bad. I was gonna say all the things we talk about with NFTs are always bad looks on it. It's horrible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but. Still, it's it's kind of kind of like it's more of a bad look, you know, because this is like kind of almost like a scam in a sense, but not exactly really. It's just it was unfinished and poorly represented. Yeah, they could have waited a few more months on that one, honestly. Then we would have yeah. to deal with the Sonic 06 of NFTs. Ah, uh, yeah. Or, uh, you know, the OC of NFTs. Right. Heaven, the turtle zombie. Right. But we could take a break at NFTs for a little bit because Capcom announced some pretty big games. How the walking. How the walking. So, as we see here, um, the first of these major games, actually the most major of the announcements, is Street Fighter Six. And these were revealed at the Capcom Pro Tour 2021 Season Final. And if you look at, like, the game itself, or what we see in the screenshots, whatever, you can see it's a much more realistic game compared to prior Street Fighters. Yeah. I mean, you um, can see Ryu without his white shirt. Yeah, he looks wide. Like it looks like he got like stretched horizontally. Mm. Uh, and this guy smiling in the in the this is a creepy face. I I don't know what this character is, unfortunately. Um, it's Luke. Who is this? Luke. Okay, the way he's smiling <laughs> with the shadow. Oh my god, that's fucking creepy. That's something you see in the in the dark at night as a child. Right, and keep in mind, this game looks to be powered under RE Engine. Like, oh, really? Wow. The same engine that Devil May Cry and in the recent Resident Evil games have been using. No shit, that's cool. So that would explain um, why the hyper-realism in this game compared to prior entries. Yeah, I know Capcom made a big deal about how Chris uh, Redfield looked in... Uh, no, they, like, they're, the fans made a big, you know, not really a big stink about it, but they noticed how Chris didn't look like he did in 5 and previous other games. Um, but it was because, you know, um, because of the engine, apparently. Um, so, I mean, I understand that this, you know, art style is a lot different. Um, you know, also, I got a joke to say about Luke here. But you're gonna have to remind me later because I can't say it on camera. But yeah. All right, that's fine. That's uh, fine. Um, uh, but he looks the, like somebody we know. 
Anyway. <laughs> context, ladies and gentlemen, context. Only us two um, understand the humor of this. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, no hard feelings, though. It's just... I can imagine that person standing in a dark corner, smiling, just like Luke is here. Right. And it would be an identical twin. <laughs> uh, we love you. Right. We sure yeah. do. But the other announcement is also another one that Alpaca would like, because it's also is big on retro gaming revival. Yes, 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 the fighting collection. Ten iconic titles. We got Star and Darkstalkers. Yes, we got Darkstalkers, the Night Warriors, Night Warriors, Darkstalkers Revenge, Vampire Savior, the Lord of Vampire, Vampire Hunter 2, Darkstalkers Revenge, Vampire Savior 2, the Lord of Vampire, Red Earth, Cyberbots, Super Gem Fighter Mini Mix, Super Puzzle Fighter Tur 2 Turbo, and Hyper Street Fighter 2. Nine of these games are actually relatively niche games, so this actually brings them up to the limelight, and my god, I am all for it. Same here. Uh, especially um, the ones that are first, you know, the first official release in North America. Mm -hmm. You know, especially ones that didn't get a uh, translation. Yeah, and that was we, we actually have translations of these games. Which yeah. is big. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another big thing that happened too was the fact that Square Enix actually has a music channel on YouTube now. Yes, they are now officially the uh, indie streamer who has a side gig band um, on YouTube. But not really. Yeah, so 5,500 tracks on YouTube music. So if you type in, if you go on YouTube and type in Square Enix Music Channel, or if you go on YouTube mu Music and type in Square Enix Music, you'll get access to 5,500 tracks across all various Square Enix games. And even, this even includes one of Fluffy Alpaca's favorite games, Chrono Trigger. Yes, Chrono Trigger. Uh, with, with the, you know great fondness too you know i mean i know that the chrono trigger you know soundtrack is uh something a lot of people um admired about the game besides all the little things that uh you know that it has mm -hmm. um which i really need to play through it again or mm -hmm. actually play through it fully because i only got to the point where there was like I didn't even get to the, like, Future City thing, I guess, or something. I don't know what it was. Right. But, uh, spoilers, sorry. No worries. I mean, it is, like, a couple decades old now, so if you want to spoil it, go right ahead. Okay, so basically, um... You fight this guy at the very end, and if you die, he screams and takes over the world. The end. Uh, but 
actually you kill him and uh, you save all of humanity, all because you stole a piece of bread off of a piece of table and then uh, accidentally kidnapped the princess or something. Uh, so, yeah, by the way, uh, that's the plot for Super Mario, actually, so, goodbye. <laughs> uh. What the f- You know, you say it's so wrong because you freaking stole a piece of bread. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know how to save the world. We're just gonna steal a piece of bread. The end. Yes. <laughs> and that's the plot to Fortnite, save the world. Have a good day. Uh, and this is the plot for how EA is going to take the WWE license, which actually that's not a good thing. Yes, yes, yes. This uh, thing. Um, oh my god. Yeah, about this. Uh, this might not be a good thing um, because of monopo- Monopoly. Like... Kind of like how the Activision Blizzard thing, the acquisition with Microsoft, but this one's a little bit more uh, groundbreaking because there's not a lot of sports titles, you know? Yeah. Uh, that are existing nowadays. Yeah, there's not a lot of developers that, that know how to make sports games. And unfortunately, as far as I know, the only company, the only thing that I know of 2K when it comes to sports is wrestling and basketball. That's about it. Anything else, sense. you can practically forget about it. Yeah, I guess that's a fair uh, fair take. <laughs> so, to see this article here about how Mike's reporting on Fightful Select that WWE had preliminary discussions with Electronic Arts about bringing its video games to the publisher. Ouch. Yeah. Because this could mean that the WWE games could go to EA, which means that EA would have even more of a say on sports games. Because then you have to deal with the fact that, well, Ukes, which is the former developer of these series of games, are now doing the AEW games. And now you're dealing with the fact that the WWE is possibly taking it to EA that's kind of a big blow like an actual big blow because that could mean that EA would have a much stronger say in the sports game industry and they can still make money off of tons of microtransactions mm-hmm. something that I know 2K is also a victim of especially with <laughs> Grand Theft Auto Online and Red Dead Online. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because those two games in particular are some of... Uh, those two games alone, I would say more so Grand Theft Auto, is what generates 90%, what feels like 90% of all of 2K's revenue. Oh yeah, certainly Grand Theft Auto Online. Nobody really plays Red Dead Online that much. Um, at least the... I guess more vocally people don't but i'm i'm not true truly sure on the actual yeah cuz i remember we were but... talking about this too about how you know rockstar has addressed many of the concerns that the people that play reddit online have had so that's kind of yeah, a shame that, that um i would just love to see a single player dlc 
you know, of any any sort, you know, because uh, I know the game uh, is, you know, the game is a masterpiece to me, but not for gameplay reasons, but the stories. Although there's poor writing, I've noticed, you know, if you think deeply on it, there's a bit of poor writing. Um, still, a little bit, uh, still like the story overall, you know. So it's definitely a play, you know, a game to play before you die, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, like, I do find, I mean, now, look at the article here, a couple other points that they bring up. It says that sources indicated that it was for six years with an ex option to extend it. Should the game sell well, then an extension could be made. But if it's viewed as a failure, then moving to EA could become a greater possibility. So pretty much what it's... Actually, here it is. The last contract signed between the two sides was back in 2016. Sources indicated that it was for six years with an option to extend it. Should the game sell well, then an extension could be made. But if it's viewed as a failure, then moving to EA could become a greater possibility. So, yeah, like, that's kind of a big deal there. Like, I mean, obviously, we've seen the last few of the WWE games be extreme bug fests. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, yeah, I I can only assume very stagnant gameplay compared to the last, that it, it's not even worth purchasing the brand new one. You know? Yeah. Versus even 2K 2018, like... Um, yeah, and it's saying that essentially what it's saying is that 2K 2022 is viewed as a make or break release. So pretty much, if 2K 2022 for the WWE games succeeds, there could be a chance this could be extended. But if it actually is deemed a failure because of all the bugs from the prior entries and people losing faith there's a good chance that we could see WWE look to EA and be like, yo, uh, you want to make these games instead? And that pretty much means that EA would have a much stronger say in every single sports game thing on the planet. Now, granted, we did talk about how EA might ditch FIFA for the sake of, you know, creativity or whatever. But that could be a big blow to FIFA, but FIFA might go to, could potentially go to 2K if they want to and potentially get a new, another soccer game. So it could be a, it could potentially be a change, an exchange of guard for certain sports. Yeah, that sounds like a, an interesting, uh, compromise i guess i don't know but, but I, i'd be afraid that fifa wouldn't want to approach 2k um uh or take two you know um yeah because 2k is like the only developer besides ea i can think of that has major experience in sports games like ubisoft not really they've done some snowboarding stuff but i can't think of any major sports game that they've done mm. yeah that sucks when EA practically has a stranglehold on sports game development. Yeah, and they also own Skate, so... Which supposed Skate 4 is coming at some point. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, that's all I have to say on that one. And our next announcement relates to Call of Duty. Oh, of course, Call of Duty. Um, you know, um, Hydro, I know you were talking about how your Pixel 6 uh, has a like 512 gigabytes, but I'm I'm gonna I'm really wondering how they're gonna fit Warzone on mobile devices. Like they have to use a lot of compression that they don't apply at the PC version. Yeah, or it'll probably very, be exclusive. <laughs> very low graphic settings. Yes, very low. Like uh, render resolution sixty six uh, percent. And uh, everything's low, even the textures. I, I don't even give a flying fuck if you have enough VRAM. Y you're going down. Yep. So and... pretty much this is a development. So pretty much what they're saying is we are building Call of Duty Warzone for mobile. Apply today for exciting roles across the development and publishing teams. More information here. And take a guess how many freaking game people are going to want to go to Activision Blizzard with that man on the throne. You know what man I'm talking about. Yes, I do. It's, after all, your favorite catchphrase at the end of most of these episodes recently. Yeah, I know. That's probably Kodak, you know. We, we have to say this. Um... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Fuck Bobby Kodak. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But yeah, um, what are your thoughts on Call of Duty Warzone coming to mobile? Uh, Yang, I guess. I hope it fits on my 32 or 16 gigabyte shitty $30 phone. <laughs> um, and of course, F Bobby. No, I'm just kidding. Fuck, fuck. Just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, uh, fuck Bobby Connick. Um, I think we're done with this topic. I mean, it's I mean, it kind of lines up with both battle royales coming to mobile, so makes sense. Okay. I want to play Fortnite. Sorry. Well, too bad I can't play Fortnite because Epic Games decided to be a whiny, like. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Russian. <laughs> However, though. I'm on the bright face every day. Just kidding. <laughs> However, though, uh, Gamescom is going to be returning as a physical event this year. And it's going to run from August 24th to the August 28th. And there'll be oh, safety... yeah. And safety um, measures to ma manage the event's usual crowds will include a limited ticket allocation, better entrance management, digital queues, and extra wide aisles in halls. So, okay. this is a big day. This is big for gaming because finally we can potentially see gaming collaborations again. Yeah, certainly. Like, um, unlike E3. Yeah. Which did... uh, apparently isn't even. <laughs> yeah. Like, did you know that the reason why Sora is in Smash Brothers was because I think Sakurai actually encountered one of the Disney guys over at tokyo game show and that led to them talking and that that's how talk that how so got in smash really i didn't know no i didn't and I mean, um... in fact it in fact the funny thing too is that fires past two was originally going to be five fires but because they managed to get sora 
he had to make an exception and increase it to six. Oh. So think about you know, this. You know, it's funny that you mentioned Smash. Uh, it's not. It's not actually going to be at uh, the uh, what was that event? Evo. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. That's a weird thing to see. Been around yeah. with the fighting game for years. I mean, it's not one of our active topics this week, but it was in our original draft for what would have been episode twenty-seven. So a brief mention on the fact that Evo and Smash. You know, not being a thing this year kind of stinks. Yeah, but uh, back to Gamescom. Uh, I mean, hopefully this is a sign that things are getting better. I mean, I know that like, um, uh, I I know that uh, what was it? Excuse me. Um. The uh, you know, it's it's only been digital only for only two years, mm. um. So you know, and I know like people are getting more immune to the the big bug that's going around. So I only hope this is you know, I can only hope that this is a uh, sign of things opening back up again in in a. You know, in a in a good way. So of course, happy I agree about that. Oh, and Jeff Keighley will be there. Yeah, so Jeff Keighley will be doing his opening night live, which will announce games and stuff to look forward to. Yeah, and uh, fuck the Oscars. Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's funny that It Take Two was made by the guys who did say that. Yeah. It takes I... two to fuck. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but while Gamecom is opening up, we do have talked about several acquisitions that have happened over the last few weeks. And we have a couple here to talk about. Okay. Um, The first one is that Netflix is going to acquire Finnish mobile developer Next Games. And I remember, and when we remember saying back in one of the older episodes that Netflix is getting serious into gaming, I mean, buying a mobile developer is kind of a no-brainer. Oh yeah, certainly. Um, I remember that too. So I. We're always seeing seeing a uh, small um, hints at what they're planning. I guess you know. Yeah, so it's like it really is like, hey, they want to f- focus on this. It's great. I mean, they say that the main thing they made, as far as I know, if we can tell here, is a Stranger Things Puzzle Tales. So it's already a puzzle game inspired by Stranger Things. Oh, but all right. I guess they're also working on some new games based on beloved IPs, which obviously Netflix has a lot of IP to work with. Mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't it be funny if Netflix bought Studio MDHR because Cuphead's on Netflix? You know, I think we might see that in the future, actually. You know? That um, actually kind of makes sense. 
Yeah, that that would be that would be uh just like that Nintendo thing we were talking about, you know, acquiring uh what was it SRD? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, it'll only make sense to you know have a tighter grip on people that are you know that are by you, you know. Mm-hmm. And I do think, yeah, and. I mean, it's either going to be Studio MDHR being bought by n- either Netflix or Microsoft. And I say Microsoft, too, because Microsoft was the one that published Cuthead. Yeah. So, that would make sense. And... Or Microsoft buys Netflix. I see that smirk. Wouldn't that be funny if they actually did that? And then Microsoft could be like, yo, we're bundling Netflix with every single one of your Game Pass Ultimate subscriptions. Oh my god, that would actually be fucking really amazing. And they could a- attach it to PC so you don't even need a console. Like, that would be so fucking amazing. I could be watching, I don't know, Game of Thrones finally. That's an HBO good. Max. Fuck me. <laughs> Whatever is good on Netflix. <laughs> Castlevania? Uh, yeah, Castlevania. I guess. We'll the Witcher series? Me. The Witcher, yes, yes, we'll, we'll be able to, I'll be able to enjoy Witcher, I'll play Witcher, while also watching Witcher on my other screen. <laughs> and then, uh, I'll get all the quality pixels of, uh, uh, the, the main character's name, uh, him taking a bath, while also seeing him take a bath in the movie. Geralt? Geralt. And hopefully, um, I don't get the bug, uh, cause I know that The Witcher has like, one of the games has like a anti-piracy measure and you, and if you take a bath with somebody, um, they actually show up as like a, a really old woman and like, it, it just, it's supposed to put you off, I guess, but I mean, I don't know. Actually, it's kind of funny at the same time if you if done yeah. with the right context. Obviously, it's like imagine just going after a really hot girl, and then you just see it that happen, and you're like, "God damn it!" Yeah, man, I shouldn't have pirated this. Um, luckily, I'm against that, and I would never, unless I already own it, I guess. But even then, that's still legal, kind of. Mm-hmm. So, An- never mind. Another major acquisition that happened was with Epic Games buying Bandcamp. Oh <laughs> <No>. <laughs> God, we had to get th- we had to get this right away. I so I bought I I know a few bands that I love listening to that host their thing on Bandcamp, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, I I can't wait to see. Um, I don't know. Uh, Fortnite, the original soundtrack, right next to my favorite indie artists. You know what actually would be pretty sick for Fortnite would be like imagine. You know how like with a lot of games you could select like your so- your song to play during the match or whatever. Yeah. What if they incorporate Bandcamp? So that way you could be like, yo, I want to listen to some metal while I fight some scrubs in Fortnite. And then you're just like, oh, there's a little music player right in the game. 
Actually, that wouldn't be too bad. Actually, now you mention it. Um, that or... I mean, there is Spotify, but... No, this would be a great way to get people off of Spotify, I guess, and compete with them. Interesting. Uh, I didn't think of that. I just thought of this as negative because... Not Fortnite! Not Gears of War, even though I don't think they own Gears of War anymore. Yeah, so... Obviously, what they're saying here is that today we are thrilled to announce that Bandcamp will become part of Epic Games. Uh, Bandcamp is an online music store and community where fans can discover, connect with, and directly support the independent musicians they love. Fair and open platforms are critical to the future of the creator economy. Epic and Bandcamp share a mission of building the most artist-friendly platform that enables creators to keep the majority of their hard-earned money. Bandcamp will play an important role in Epic's vision to build up a creator marketplace ecosystem for content, technology, games, art, music, and more. And Bandcamp's mission is to help spread the healing power of music by building a community where artists thrive through the direct support of their fans. In Epic, we found a partner who believes as deeply as we do that the future of music and art itself depends on the creation of equitable and inclusive communities like the one our fans and artists have helped to build. We're excited to work alongside the Epic team to accelerate the realization of our mission and pursue our shared goal of empowering more creators in a fair and open way. We couldn't be more excited to welcome the Bandcamp team to Epic Games. Bandcamp has built an incredible community and business where up and upcoming artists can succeed thanks to the direct support of their fans, with one of the best revenue models in terms of in music. This aligns closely with Epic's approach to building creators across all media and enabling them to connect directly with their fans. God, I wish Epic Games could just change their name because having Bandcamp just seems so off for a game company. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. Epic's, uh, you know, before they were called Epic Mega Games. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, I don't know how, how to, uh, I, I don't know if I can really associate Bandcamp with Epic Games. It, it'll take a little while. It's just such um, a weird fit for the company, but I mean, with you know, with something like you know, Epic Games going after music nowadays, it does kind of make sense why they would go after Bandcamp to get their uh, yeah, indie music. There's, there's that uh, was it Guitar Hero or Rock Band? A rock oh, Band. That's Harmonix. Okay. Harmonix, yeah, the, Harmonix. Harmonix is the one that created the Guitar Hero IP, and they all, but they don't own the Guitar Hero IP, and they also created an own rock band. So essentially, they created both IPs. Okay, so yeah, so I mean, it makes sense. What if we can play any Bandcamp uh, music in Rock Band now? I can see that also work, especially you know. I mean, having epic money for that would be really cool to just to be, you know, boop, bump up rock band and be like, hey, here's all this really cool indie music that you can play in your game now. And we have, we own this, so you can pick from this stuff and have fun. Yeah. And that, that might be like a proof of ownership thing. So you could like play it anytime. Mm. Probably that they could make the charting for it and everything. That'd be really cool too. Another thing that'd be really cool too is that imagine going to Unreal Engine. And if you want music for your game, just fire up Bandcamp 
and you can just import those music into your game, provided that the artist gives you permission. Yeah, I could see that. In a very seamless way. Mm-hmm. That could be really cool. Or if yeah, they added a native Bandcamp app into Epic Games Launcher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that also works. It makes sense more for me to have uh, Epic Games as solo on my computer then. Because, mm. interestingly enough, if you want to use Unreal Engine, you have to use the Epic Games Launcher. I know this I've actually dabbled Unreal Engine a little bit. Mm. Just trying to see if I can make myself my own fighting game that's inspired by Smash Brothers and Marvel vs. Capcom. But I was I need a bigger team for I would I need a bigger team for that. And B I probably just need the vision I actually have to have some coding knowledge. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as much coding knowledge, but more, more so Unreal Engine knowledge. And see a more powerful computer, obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Certainly. But, yeah, like, this is a very interesting ac- ac- acquisition. It's, like, the least expected acquisition out there. Yeah, this was a little bit more out of left field than, you know, but... It I think makes the, a bit more sense when you think of Rock Band and their acquisition of harmonics. Which also is kind of left field. Like, wait, why would Epic Games buy harmonics when they're purely drilled into Fortnite? <laughs> what does harmonics give to Fortnite? <laughs> yeah, and I, I really don't know. I don't know how to explain the, the sudden uh, music... Uh, Maybe it has to do with, like, getting cheaper licenses for, uh, and getting more indie music into Fortnite. Maybe, but Maybe. I wonder if, with how Epic and, you know, you know how Epic likes to push for the, the you should have this market about market share and we take this cut, and they, how they've been trying to push for the smaller cut to Epic themselves, but keep more for the developer? Yeah. Do you think that Bandcamp will start to share a similar revenue split like Epic Games does? That is a great question. Um, you know, uh, that kind of... Uh, I mean, that would make sense considering their uh, stance on uh, how they split the, you know... Uh, money you know um yeah i guess so i guess you know, and now I... we're starting to lean more towards the tech side now because our next two acquisitions kind of veer into this and the next one we're going to go after is microsoft acquiring nuance now it's kind of crazy that microsoft i've seen a lot of new with microsoft buying stuff like, it's crazy. Like, they're still buying stuff, and yet they're still trying to go through a pending review for breaking Activision Blizzard. It's nuts. I think they're confident in it, honestly. Mm. A lot could change in a year, but they're confident. Yeah. Like, so, pretty what Nuance is, it's ushering in a new era of outcome-based AI. And, essentially, we scroll down here, 
So pretty much what this is, it's they're driven by a shared vision to build outcome-based AI, and they'll which will enable organizations across industries to accelerate their business goals with their security-focused cloud-based solutions infused with powerful, vertically optimized artificial intelligence. And it says that customers will benefit from enhanced consumer, patient, clinician, employee experiences, and ultimately improve productivity and financial performance. And again, like I said, this powerful combination will help providers offer more affordable, effective, and accessible healthcare and help organizations in every industry create more personalized and meaningful customer experiences. And it says, at digital transformation accelerates, organizations in every sector across the globe can address challenges that will have a fundamental impact on their success, from reducing clinician burnout and enhancing early detection and treatment of disease in healthcare to create personalized computer personalized customer experiences and supporting employees' productivity and well-being and financial services, retail, and telecommunications. Microsoft and Nuance Cloud-based AI solutions can help meet business goals and address organizations' most pressing needs. In addition, Microsoft and Nuance can strengthen their organization's ability across industries to scale their impact by offering the services consumers, patients, and employees rely on when or where they need them. So, essentially what this is is that this is going to be useful more so for strengthening their AI and this will make it like better results for healthcare and finance and retail and telecommunications. This is more so like, hey, we want to make our artificial intelligence more reliable. More, more reliable outcomes to improve performance of healthcare so you can detect diseases faster or improve doing financial services to make them speedier and generate more revenue and obviously retail and telecommunications. So this may be something that we may not think about in the fat in the forefront. Yeah. But this is something that would help a lot in the background. Like it's not obvious it's like yo Activision Blizzard like what the fuck. <laughs> but yeah. It is kind of in like, okay, this could be a, this is a subtle acquisition, but this could potentially be helpful. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, um, so this is like a prediction algorithm. Almost. Kind of like an efficiency algorithm. Okay. From the looks of it, but obviously... We're total scrubs in AI. We're just looking at this and like, okay, how can this help Microsoft or whoever? And it seems yeah. like, yeah, it's going to accelerate business goals because notice how security focused, cloud based, infused, powerful, vertically optimized AI. So it oh, looks okay. like it, so if it's security based, it's also going to improve the security risks with AI. And it's conversational AI, so it means, probably means it's going to be better at recognizing text-to-speech, maybe? I can see security-focused helping with Windows Defender, if people use that. Um, I mean, I do. It's You pretty yeah. much just need Defender and maybe use Malwarebyte sometimes, I guess. Yeah. So, I'd, I'd, be like, I'd like to see that, because, you know. Uh, yeah. And then we also have our other thing, which is Google Cart Mandiant. 
independent. And it's going to be joining Google Cloud. So it's going to be integrated into Google Cloud. Oh, okay. And the idea is that looking at everything here, I'm just going to do a quick skim here. For the past 18 years, Mandiant had developed unparalleled frontline experience answering the threat intelligence. So this is regarding security. So just from that alone, the idea is, look at this, the acquisition will complement Google Cloud's existing strengths in security. Together with Mandiant, Google Cloud will deliver an end-to-end -end security operation suite with even greater capabilities as well as advisory services helping customers address the critical security challenges and stay protected at every stage of the security life cycle. So this is them targeting the security of Google Cloud. Making sure that, well, obviously, building cloud-native security into the foundation of a technology to block malware, phishing attempts, and potential cyber attacks at scale. So, obviously, this is good news, especially for cybersecurity, because we've seen way too many hacks and stuff, which, more on that later in the show. I can see that on their uh, Twitter, that um, they post a lot of cybersecurity stuff. Um, uh, um, you know, uh, that, don't forget, we're not done hearing about Log4J. Uh, you know, and, uh, I mean, they're definitely, uh, um, if Google's buying them, of course, I guess they have hopes into their company, so. Yeah. But something that is improving, though, is the price of graphic cards. Woo! Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. A few days ago, I saw Newegg, even though I know there's a big sting with Newegg thing. Uh, the, the, but I'm open box bullshit. I, I'm not getting into that drama. But I saw Newegg. A RX 6700 XT. For about $600. The MSRP for that card is 500 it, you could you could just pay an extra hundred dollars, and it was the it was the F FXX one, so it wasn't like you know I mean I'm not sure about their uh, about the product itself, but uh, you know it was a, it was a cheaper one, didn't have RGB, didn't have cool little things, but it was okay. Hey, it's a 6700 XT as long as the VRMs and and the actual chip is cool enough, it doesn't throttle under load or anything. I am happy to purchase it for at least a hundred dollars extra. Doesn't matter to me. Oh my god! And the there's thirty sixty Ti's available now, and there's actual RTX cards, not just RX cards. My god, I love it. Uh, you can take it away now, Hydro. But I, I just want to say I'm so excited about this because I <laughs> want to build more computers. I love building computers, but fuck if it's not terrible to not even be able to purchase a graphics card. You know, to, to complete the build, you just run off of integrated graphics that don't do horse shit for gaming. Uh, yes. Take it away. So, there's a report... Wait, 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 no. Sorry. So, there's a report shared by 3D Center. 
and it's showcasing that prices have hit a new low as available continues to report. It's saying here that the latest report showed the prices have reached the same level or better than the start of 2021, but with far better availability than it was last year. The AMD Rayon graphics cards are currently priced at an average of 35% over MSRP, down from 45% last month, while the NVIDIA GeForce graphics cards are priced at 41% MSRP versus last month's 57%. And there's an actual graph they share. If we scroll down the article here. Oh, yes, I see that. Um, Spectre V2. Uh-huh. So once it loads on my end, yeah, and we can see the graph here. I mean, look at May. Look at this. May of May 16th, it looks like. NVIDIA cards were at 318% over MSRP average. So actually, that's, yeah, that's like an addition. Think about how much it is. So if 100% is the lowest, right? Yeah, that is 218% over MSRP. Okay, so looking at the MSRP for, I guess, the RX 67,000 XT, 500. Now you're paying about $1,600 now. That's how I... Can translate it in my head. It's yeah, just multiply math, that by three point one eight, and then you get your results. For that was like May sixteenth of twenty twenty one. That's absolutely fucking ridiculous. Oh. Three point eighteen. What? Because that. Think about it this way. Oh, I thought you said two. Holy shit! Then that's two thousand one hundred. Yeah, because times one is a hundred percent MSRP, right? Yeah, yeah. So you multiply that by. 3.18, and there's your result at when it was at May 16th. And ladies and gentlemen, watch as your eyes burn. And your wallet hungers. And your bank is really pissed off and wants that loan money back right away. Yeah. Yes. So look, so the good news is that the graphic cards are on a downward trend, which means maybe by May or June, we could see graphic card potentially be more at like a hundred, maybe, I don't know, 35% over on NVIDIA and 30% on AMD. That'd be nice. Mm -hmm. I just hope this, swear to God, I don't want to be May 16th again. <laughs> That, uh, yeah, NVIDIA, that's I mean, kind of horrible. Look at that. Look at the graph. Oh, I see it. No, I see it. Holy shit. That's like... that. That is like a really large slope. That is like... Uh, that is like a, a fucking mountain right over there. And Versus can, that little valley. <laughs> yeah, you can see the blue dotted line indicates the availability of graphics cards. And the yellow line is Ethereum. Oh. Okay. So you kind of see how when Ethereum rises, the NVIDIA card just shoot up. <laughs> yeah, what's, what's the purple line? The dotted line? That's the availability level of graphic cards. Oh, okay. So you can see Sorry. the prices are decreasing and the availability is getting better. Jeez. 
which is good. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that's good, but how long? And Who what's, what's going to happen when Lovelace and, uh, you know, the other, you know, the next generation comes out? Like, I'm, I'm afraid uh, that it would, you know, I mean, maybe not because this year has been, like, the most increased production, you know, yeah. ever. But also, also the availability and the demand is, like, shot down and up through the roof mm -hmm. respectively so. yeah. now if you take a look over here there's two different tables one shows yeah. different pricings for in Europe obviously you can see list price, surcharge, all this other stuff for the AMD mm -hmm. card there's another one for NVIDIA cards Yeah, you can see, like, this is tells you this is how much comparatively. So the surcharge part is the one that matters most. Mm -hmm. Now, as you can see, the 3080 Ti is still 16% over SRP, but better than what it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I mean, I'd still not going to pay over MSRP, but it's still. Uh, if you have to, it's looking a lot better. good so far. Yeah. If you have to, it's a lot better than what it was before. Yeah, um, not but for sure. Still, don't don't give in. Now, do what I did with my PS Five and Xbox Series X and just fight for the MSRP price. Yeah, I um, mean, I only did the bundle for the PS Five because I mean, it had stuff I actually wanted, like a charging stand and games, yeah. and a second controller. But yeah, um. And now we can actually get into more tech news. And the next thing we have to talk about is LimeWire. Oh my fucking god, not LimeWire. Um, yeah, uh... You remember LimeWire back in the 90s when I wasn't even born yet? Um, and early 2000s? Yeah, when, when you were I was just a like, toddler? <laughs> yeah, when I was a toddler and people are committing piracy and stuff, but also actually sharing files and then now, now they're doing a different thing. Now they're, uh, yeah. NFTs. Woo. So, former peer-to-peer -peer file sharing company LimeWire will relaunch in May as specialists in NFTs. The company announced on Wednesday. The brand will dive into the marketplace for the digital collectibles with a focus on music, entertainment, content, and art. The NFT is due to drop later this year with a special reward system. And yeah, it shuttered in 2011, but now it's 2022. They're going to be a whole different thing. And yeah, so the people... So Paul and Julian Zehem... Meyer, they're not the founders or anything. In fact, there's nothing related with the original merger of LimeWire. They just bought the name outright. Mm -hmm. 
It said, rather than jump on the music streaming game, the company is aiming to go big in the burgeoning NFT world. It's a zone where people can buy and sell digital things like Pokemon-themed property or hop on the Board Ape Yacht Club train. Hmm, Pokemon-themed property. That sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, um, that's hmm. Hope it doesn't look like a fucking zombie rising out of the grave. <laughs> Instead of a fucking turtle, that's supposed to be. <laughs> So typically, people buy NFTs with cryptocurrency, but LimeWire wants to make it easier for customers by offering multiple payment options, including crypto and credit cards. Woo! Apparently, you can buy things with credit cards like every other freaking retailer. Woo! <laughs> oh, God. Yes, currently, LimeWire has a waitlist that you can sign up for if you're interested in its May launch. The token system will act as a loyalty reward program of sorts for token holders. Artists and other creators can also register for the waitlist to receive early access to LimeWire's marketplace. And funny enough, at my screen here, if you just keep scrolling down the article, can you know how you have those sites where... Uh, yep, I know. It's continued on to Pixelmon, too. I see that article <laughs> we were just looking at. Or, I think actually it's It actually the... is the exact same article. Jesus fuck. <laughs> oh my god. Hmm. Pokemon themed property. Hmm. I wonder. It's a bomb, bros. Fuck yeah. <laughs> man, that, that turtle thing? If that's a turtle, then man, I'm so glad that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles got off lightly with the fucking uh, <laughs> ooze. Yeah. Man, that thing looks like it fucking got beaten over the head with a golfing wedge. Yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles got freaking champagne in a New Year's Eve party. Pixel Ball got literally just smashed with with vodka on their head. Like, poor Kevin. <laughs> poor, poor Kevin McAllister. <laughs> He's not looking so great after Home Alone 2. <laughs> Yeah, freaking... He's not... Actually, he's looking worse after Home Alone 4. And he wasn't even the same actor. <laughs> he was a strawberry blonde kid that we don't even know. God. Man, oh. this edgy reboot. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've always wanted to buy the rights to Home Alone and, like, make a video game out of it, but... Uh, that's for a later time. Yeah, once we have more capital. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, uh... Speaking of capital... Callister. Anyways, sorry. Speaking of capital, we have the fact oh, that yes. Biden executive order toward cryptocurrency. Yep. Because, <sighs> goddamn, LimeWire, you know, I remember Yolden Day, there used to be a cool place to go to to download music and stuff. But now you're in the game of NFTs and you're not the same that you once were. <laughs> yeah. But. Thankfully, with a little bit more legal leeway, I guess. Yes. So, as the White House mentions, digital assets, including cryptocurrencies, have seen explosive growth in recent years, surpassing $3 trillion in market cap last November, up from $14 billion just five years prior. Service suggests that around 16% of adult Americans, approximately 40 
million people have invested in, traded, or used cryptocurrencies. Well, PayPal gave me $5 of cryptocurrency, so I technically now own what was originally $5 worth of Bitcoin, and it fell in value. You got that too? Awesome. Let's be crypto buddies. Woo! Let's download some, uh, I don't know, what was it called? Uh, that one that Linus, uh, nice hash, I think. I don't know. Uh, yeah, let's go on like OpenSea um, and spend that $5 on something cool. Just kidding. You mean the now uh, $3? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Probably um, $2. You could get like a McChicken. Yeah, so. Or, like two burritos. It says the rise in digital assets creates an opportunity to reinforce American leadership in the global financial system and at the technolo technological frontier, but it also has substantial implications for consumer protection, financial stability, national security, and climate risk. The United States must maintain technological leadership in this rapidly growing space, supporting innovation while mitigating the risks for consumers, businesses, the broader financial system, and the climate. And it must play a leading role in international engagement and global governance of digital assets consistent with democratic values and U.S. global competitiveness. And that was why, at the day that's written, President Biden will sign an executive order outlining the first-ever whole-of-government approach, stressing the risks and harnessing the potential benefits of digital assets and their underlying technology. The order lays out a national policy for digital assets across six key priorities, consumer investor protection, financial stability, illicit finance, U.S. leadership in the global financial system, and economic competitiveness, financial inclusion, and responsible innovation. And if you look through this, you know, it all seems pretty reasonable. Until you yeah. get to the last bullet point. <laughs> Exploring uh, a U.S. central bank digital currency? Um, what? What the fuck? Am I sorry? <laughs> so, by placing urgency on research and development of a potential United States CBDC, should issuance be deemed in the national interest, the order directs the U.S. government to assess the technological infrastructure and capacity needs for a potential U.S. central bank digital currency in a manner that protects American interests. The order also encourages the Federal Reserve to continue its research, development, and assessment efforts for a U.S. central bank digital currency, including development of a plan for broader U.S. government action in support of their work. This effort prioritizes U.S. participation in multi-country experimentation and ensures U.S. leadership internationally to promote CBDC development that is consistent with U.S. priorities and democratic values. So pretty much the simple term to this is United States might be exploring having their own cryptocurrency. Man, I can't wait to go to the bank and exchange every dollar for uh, one U.S. Satoshi <laughs> that fluctuates in value so fucking rapidly that I could become homeless the next day. Well, the thing is that because it's backed by the U.S. government, it will... I know, but I'm just saying. But one thing that could be worth noting is the fact that, you know, with this in mind, like, I mean, this is pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I I'm okay with this. 
because there wasn't there that little thing with the UK before where they like probed a bunch of like uh fake accounts and bad actors and then yeah. they like created like uh fake blah blah blah. They basically scammed Bitcoin and whatnot and different types of cryptocurrencies. So I mean, it, it's only a matter of time before law catches up with stuff like this. Of course, I, I mean, considering you know, like law laws are slow. Yeah, they, they are pretty damn slow. Cryptocurrency has existed for a while now, but now that it's actually gained a, attention of you know, uh, you know, relevancy and you know the internet and stuff. I see that they're now trying to find out what this really is and how to, uh, you know, reasonably it to... address it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, this is government backed and it's a little bit more stable than Ethereum, Bitcoin, Ravencoin, or Dogecoin, even. Uh, or if if it existed, a pack coin. You're a motherfucker. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, anyways, um, what, what were you saying? Um, oh yeah, uh, you know, hey, hey, by the way, it's March. You know what? I'm gonna create alpaca coin candies. You know those little chocolate in the coin wrappers? That's what we're gonna do. Anyways, um. Make that a merch on really. Godcast. Just kidding. That is gonna be a fucking merch on my merch and your merch and uh everybody's going to enjoy the chocolate alpaca <laughs> that's you know i think there's a joke there but never mind um but yeah, i'll just say that there's one thing that's gonna point out especially with this document it highlights risks intentionally like you can see here, directs agencies to work with our allies and partners to ensure international framework capabilities and partnerships are aligned in response to risks. Or the fact that by encouraging the Financial Security Oversight Council to identify and mitigate ec economy-wide financial risks posed by digital assets and develop appropriate policy recommendations to address any regu like, regulatory gaps or... The order also encourages regulators to ensure sufficient oversight and safeguard against any systemic financial risks posed by digital assets. Like, they know that this stuff constantly fluctuates in value, and they seem to really want to address that. Mm. Anyway, but while the topic regarding the market currency is good and all, we have to continue this crypto segment with nothing more than UK shutting down Bitcoin ATMs. Oh, yes. Uh, speaking of which, with the UK, <laughs> I yeah. literally just mentioned this. Mm -hmm. yeah. So once it loads up here, then we'll get going on that. So this is rather interesting because they essentially made it so... Once I can get this. There we go. This is from the UK Financial Conduct Authority. And as you'll see here, warning on illegal crypto ATMs operating in the UK. And they and they mentioned that crypto ATMs offering crypto asset exchange services in the United Kingdom 
must be registered with us and comply with UK money laundering regulations. None of the crypto asset firms registered with us have been approved to offer crypto ATM services, meaning that any of them operating in the UK are doing so illegally and consumers should not be using them. The upper tribunal recently ruled against Giddy Plus, a firm offering crypto ATM services, which wanted to continue trading pending the upper tribunal's determination of its appeal against us refusing its application for registration under the money laundering regulations. The judge concluded that there was a lack of evidence as to how Giddy Plus would undertake its business in a broadly compliant fashion. We're concerned about crypto ATM machines operating in the UK and will therefore be contacting the operators instructing that the machines be shut down or face further action. Since we published a list of unregistered crypto firms that may have been continuing to conduct business, a recent assessment found that 110 are no longer operational. We regularly warn consumers that crypto assets are unregulated and high risk, which means people are very unlikely to have any protection if things go wrong. So people should be prepared to lose all their money if they choose to invest in them. Jeez, UK really has a strict stance on them. Yeah, certainly. And it really shows, I mean, shutting down all crypto ATMs in the country is pretty massive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Oh, I didn't realize Alpaca was actually a corner of an entire screen. More you know. Oh, you're prick. <laughs> um, but yeah, like... You saw nothing. <laughs> well, it's going to be in the video, so... People will see it. Off your prick. Anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, like... Pretty much what I'm saying is that, yeah. Uh, crypto guys... Uh, you guys are technically... In our eyes are doing... What you're doing illegally, and... You should, you're, you should not be having ATM scattered around the entire country. Yeah. Um. So. What? So are these? Um. Is this like a? Are, are they? Um. God, what was it? They're the kiosks you go to, and you could buy cryptocurrencies and stuff. Oh. Yeah, I know, but are is like cryptocurrency banned in? Britain. Not banned, but they just keep saying they're highly unregulated, and we just don't advise people investing in them. But they, you could tell they have a stricter stance on it. Okay, I see. Huh. All right then. Well, and whatever, I guess. Yeah. So, right. uh, luckily, we don't live there, but. That is kind. Of, that kind of sucks for people who are kind of into that market and want to, hopefully, luckily, get rich off of it. Even though it's probably decreasing right now, but hey, who knows? In like what, probably four years again. I know it was a big thing back in like twenty eighteen. I think crypto started to rise up. Maybe twenty sixteen. I think. Mm -hmm. Not sure. So who knows? In another few years, if it rises up again, like. Uh, like flour with yeast or something in a, in a bakery. <laughs> right. 
the fact that the re you have to register for these crypto firms and you have to follow all these regulations though, it really shows they're trying to clamp down on these things. Like even if they are, you know, not you know, the UK seemingly is much more conservative about crypto than most other countries. You could clearly see that they're like, yeah, um, you have to register for all these regulations here, and if you want to continue doing stuff, then screw you. Uh, but while this is interesting, too, we have to talk about another dumpster fire that happened a few weeks ago. Uh-oh. Ladies and gentlemen, True Social. My god, yes, this, um... Uh, number one on top charts in uh, Apple's App Store. For all those conservative viewers. So, as you can see here, um, first off, I think when I, should have said, when I said dumpster fire, I think I might have lost a good chunk of our conservative audience. Probably like 15%. Which we don't really well, have one anyway, so... I mean... Is it really like? I don't think it's. I don't think they like. They're the types of people that call out people like snowflakes who get offended by everything. So it's. Uh, I mean, that kind of says a bit. So I, I don't. I don't know if they're really that much more offended. <laughs> um, who knows? Uh, but anyways, but yeah. Hit number one on the top charts of Apple when it apps or when it released on February twenty first. And apparently it, because it was so popular, it was it, it caught people were actually reporting error messages when they tried entering a birthday, email, or phone number to create an account. And others reported they were placed on a waitlist after signing up. I think due to mass demand, we have placed you on our waitlist. And the app's release underscores Trump's plan to return to social media after being booted from Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube last year. Yeah, so... So this is actually, honestly, this is impressive for an app that obviously has a backing of a former president, so that a good chunk of people admire. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. But the main thing I want to talk about was the hypocrisy in the whole thing. Yeah, I... You know, I, I'm not taking a stance on this, like, because feel like it should be left at the door sometimes you know as long as it's not you know uh bad stuff i guess you know as long as it's not oppressive i guess then i i mean it should be left at the door um but so yes, this, this is what i meant for the dumpster fire not the app itself the app itself is not a dumpster fire but the situation is a dumpster fire There we go. But anyways, so as you can see here, 
it mentions here, according to this Engadget article, this, the site which builds up as a sort of free speech alternative to Twitter with more lax content moderation policies has already booted a few users off its platform. Other users struggle to even access the platform, which now has nearly half a million people on its wait list. And I mentioned user Matt Ortega was rejected from True Social on the basis of his username, Divine Noon's Cow. A parent Twitter account with the same name poked fun at former Republican Devin Nunes, who is currently the CEO of Truth Social's parent company. <laughs> and a few users pointed out that Truth Social's moderation policy is significantly more strict than that of Twitter, despite the claim to be a refuge from big tech censorship. Unlike Twitter, Truth Social users can get suspended or booted from the platform altogether for posting content that moderates considered to be false, defamatory, or misleading. While Twitter has broad bans in the past on COVID-19 election misinformation, it regularly allows other types of misinformation to fly by. True social users also could get banned for posting content that Mars deemed to be too libelous, slanderous, or otherwise objectionable. Twitter tends to be selective on in how it handles disputes between users unless it involves targeted harassment campaigns. Yeah, libelous, uh, like, uh, fake def, def like, defamate, defamation. Yeah. Like, uh. And saying still, it's unlikely True Social will be able to enforce such a strict moderation policy should it continue to grow in scale. The platform relying on a combination of volunteer moderators, user reports, and bots to handle content removal. Newer prospective users are also running into technical glitches while attempting to sign up for the app. Which, yes, we did talk about this, which is obviously a big deal. And uh, as you can see, the app currently has a 4.1 star average user rating on Apple's App Store, though a number of 5 star reviewers noted they hadn't been able to sign up on the app yet. One reviewer who rated the app 5 stars wrote that they had yet to receive an email confirmation from True Social that hadn't expired. Every time I try to create an account, I don't receive the email to confirm my email address. No, it's not in junk mail either. One time I received the email many hours later, it was already expired. I keep trying and will continue to keep trying. Five star because I think someone is playing games and their view doesn't matter. Because I haven't been able to set up an account yet. Just trying to resolve an issue. So, literally, this app is already played with censorship issues and technical issues. And that makes this whole thing what's supposed to be a conservative utopia a complete dumpster fire. Yeah, I, I, uh, I can see where. Yeah, um, I mean, it's. It feels like the it, only reason why it's being rated five stars is because they want to support Trump. Yeah. I mean, again, that's it's kind of one of the things that was quite obvious that would have happened, you know. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but the idea that it's more strict than Twitter is a little, um, a little funny, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> um, like, it, imagine just trying to be like, hey... Uh, I want to post some thought that I had, and if it's left-leaning, it's going to get booted off the platform. 
And that's kind um, of alarming for the concept of free speech. It's like, no, it's free speech if it aligns with our agenda. Which is bad. Yeah. Um. But, uh, it is, uh, So, um, is Truth Social, like, uh, like, is, but this article doesn't really mention about, like, left-leaning stuff, though? No, it doesn't, but if you, if you go by the information of what the article says, this is my context for what leads me to believe this. It says the commodities deemed to be. Oh, okay. So if the moderators yeah, which... deem that left-leaning knowledge is misleading or slanderous, then, yeah, you can get banned for essentially thinking something that may potentially be slightly left-leaning. Like, imagine, like, those who believe in, like, the COVID-19 vaccination. You're trying to post something about that. You probably could get banned just for just proposing pro-vaccination information. I see. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the one with about, about, uh, Matt Ortega, mm -hmm. um, that I can tell is kind of a bit, uh, censorship-ish. Um, I mean, I, I know because it's like, you know, it might be a bit, uh, a bit, um, I guess, uh, slanderous, I guess. I don't know. Objectionable. Mm. But, I mean, can you take a joke, please? <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, I don't know. I mean... Yeah. I don't really have an opinion on it. It's just, a. It's just a, uh, another social media that has a obvious bias, so. Yep, but Devin being um, left-leaning, it's the opposite. Yeah, um, I, the only thing is, I can, I'm afraid about what true social is, like, people who are actually, actually have, like, quite fascist takes not being censored, or, you know, I'm afraid of, uh, you know, uh, like, not to be controversial, but I guess, like, uh, something along the lines of, uh, you know, a type of clan, you know, type of sentiment that, well, that would be posted on, or an easy way to target individuals of, you know, I, I'm afraid of that type of stuff, you know? Oh, I hear uh, because you. Because I, I know that uh, there's a bit of, like, news on how, you know, um, the attack that happened on the 6th would have been, uh, you know, uh, planned or something, I guess, and it was planned in advance and a few other things, so, I mean, I haven't seen it for myself, but I, I don't know. I don't want to get too much into it because politics is a shit show and 
I don't, I don't know. I, I, I really am, uh, I'm very, uh, on the fence about these political opinions because sometimes it just changes. Like, I all of a sudden have different feelings the next day and they stick with me for a little bit and then I realize that it's bad or try to understand, you know, the other side and then get enveloped in it or enveloped in it. I don't know. I hope that makes sense. Like, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Um, but however, not saying our, anything. Yeah, but our next topic at least is a bit of a brighter spot compared to this. Is that the U.S. UCIE chiplet standard is being supported by Intel, AMD, and ARM. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So if we take a look at this article here once it loads, I will be able to show you what I mean. And... Oh my god. It's like a USB or uh, PCIe thing. Awesome. Fuck yeah, I love that, actually. Because even though I, you know, I gotta be honest, I don't really like USB as much, like, because of how short USB can be. Like, 10 feet is good, but, you know, what if you're in the next room, I guess, and you're trying to set up a webcam for, for some reason, I don't know. And, and you get, get some Bluetooth USB extenders. Well, yeah, you can get like a re repeater or something like that, I guess. But, um, I mean, then you, but you could also just use Bluetooth, you know, but then Bluetooth has the same signal as like Wi-Fi if you're using Wi-Fi and then it could interrupt each other, you know? Yeah, so, the, so here's the idea of this. So a broad range of industry stalwarts like Intel, AMD, ARM, TSMC, and Samsung, among others, introduced the new Universal Chiplet Interconnect Express consortium today with the goal of standardizing die-to-die -die interconnects between chiplets with an open-source design, thus reducing costs and fostering a broader ecosystem of validated chiplets. In the end, the UCIE standard aims to be just as universal as other connectivity standards like USB, PCIe, and NVMe, while providing exceptional power and performance metrics for chiplet connections. Notably, all three leading foundries will adopt this tech along with the x86 and ARM ecosystems. R Risk V and NVMe are curiously absent. Benefit of chiplets like reduced costs and using different type of process nodes in a single package are well known. Essentials as chip makers grapple with increasingly difficult scaling issues in the waning light of Moore's law. The long-term vision of chiplets has always been for chip makers to be able to develop their own types of specialized chiplets and then pair them with off-the-shelf chiplet designs from other companies that allow them to build their own chips in Lego-like fashion to improve the time to market while reducing costs. However, the lack of a standardized connection between chiplets had led to a wide range of customized proprietary interconnects, so modern chiplets certainly aren't plug-and-play with our designs. Additionally, the industry has long suffered from a glaring lack of standardized validation and verification for chiplet designs and interconnects, making an off-the-shelf chiplet ecosystem impossible. 
This new UCI interconnect will enable a standardized connection between chiplets like core, memory, and I.O. that looks and operates similar to on-die connections while also enabling off-die connections to other comp com componentry. The design can even enable low enough latency and high enough bandwidth for rack-scale designs and relies on existing protocols like PCIe and CXL. And you can see down there like a little mini image slideshow. Just kind of showing a couple things here. Uh, if you're watching this on audio, just know I'm just looking through an image slideshow here. But if you want to see what I'm looking at, please watch the video version. But anyways, yeah, like, this is pretty big, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, do you have anything to say on this? Um. So, my understanding is this is, um, an easier way to, uh, standardize, like, uh, the uh, connections from different types of the like computer components, right? I believe so. Yeah. Okay, so it's like able to, um, I'd say, like you know, it's able to connect from, uh, you know, it'll think of like your graphics card can talk to your CPU and RAM a little bit faster through that, this, right? That's what it seems like, because you can see in the diagram here, it says high-speed standardized chip-to-chip interface, and you can see C, of course, heterogeneous, some memory, advanced 2D, 2.5, 3D packaging, and customer IP and customized chiplets. So yeah, this is going to make it so... It's going to make it so devices can actually have reduced costs of being able to be produced. Which is obviously a win, and obviously intercompatibility means this will weigh down the chip shortage quite a bit if, if everything's easier to make. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, guess it's all right. I yeah. mean, I don't have any, uh, don't really have anything to, uh, hold on. Um. Okay. Um, um, if I find anything that's worth talking, bringing up. I mean, feel free to bring it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the comments because even even then, these people in the comments are a little bit confused as well. So, um, um. Um, yeah, uh, the purpose of the designs is about better internal manufacturing efficiencies and not necessarily something that translates directly into a consumer visible change beyond price then. Yeah, so it's uh, increased from... efficiency and cheaper stuff, which is a win for us. 
Yeah, I guess so. Um, so, without that out of the way, I think we can move on to the next topic, which actually is a bit of a downer, If, you, but honestly, it's kind of seen coming because we're trying to move on from this technology. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I just... I don't like this because I feel like, uh, you know, um, the fourth, uh, fourth 4G is a little bit uh, lackluster, and it's not as available still. Anyways, um, so yeah, so 3G networks are shutting down. Said two decades ago, when most phones just made calls, the first 3G networks ushered in the era of wireless data. They made it possible to use apps on our phones, integrate GPS systems with our cars, and do lots of other taxes ago. But as carriers transitioned to 4G LT networks and now to 5G, they're shutting down 3G for good this year. As a result, some devices and services will lose service. Of the three large carriers, AT&T went first by shutting down its 3G service on Tuesday, February 22nd. T-Mobile will fall on March 31st. Beware, Nebraskans. And Verizon will wrap it up on December 31st. So, so, uh, so right, this if is anti-Nebraskan. It literally is. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I hope I don't live in smack dab in the middle of Nebraska. Absolutely. <laughs> this is... This is sad. Alexa, play Despacito. <laughs> Anyways, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I, I just find this sad because I feel like 4G still isn't at its peak. You know? Um... And according to something that me and Hydrowave talked about, it's not backwards compatible anyways. So any device like from 2014 even and before probably is SOL either way. Yeah, like if you have like the PS Vita that has the ability to play through 3G, tough luck. Yep. If it wasn't Sony killing its product off, it was other outside sources. Mm -hmm. And if you're one of those few people that also lucked out with the other phone, the PlayStation phone. There's a PlayStation phone. What the fuck? How have I never heard about this? Look it up. God, that is insane. There's a PlayStation one. Go look it up. <laughs> PlayStation phone. Phone number. No. PlayStation phone. What the hell is this thing? So it's a phone that actually has a... Sl it has a it's, a... it's a smartphone, but it slides out. So you know how back in the day you had, like, these sliding phones that... So, like, if you want to yeah. text someone, you had, like, the yeah. keypad? Yeah, that. Instead... Oh, my God. Instead, it actually had PlayStation button controls. Man, that's so cool. So you can use the play PlayStation 1 games or whatever on your phone. Oh my god, that's fucking cool. Why? 
It's so fucking cool. It's a phone with a D-pad and stuff. Wait, wait. Oh, it doesn't support support analog sticks though. Wait, no, maybe this little thing down here is. Yeah, that's for analog sticks. Okay. Never mind. Oh, that's so sad. Oh my god, it's so cute. It's like a PlayStation Seven. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. It's like a little mini PlayStation phone. But that's not going to be a thing anymore because obviously it's using an old, way older version of Android. Oh, God. Man, Sony released the PlayStation phone to make it play PlayStation 2 games. Connect it with your Spartacus thing. We'll all be happy. That would be a phone worth upgrading to if that was the case. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, so, but other than that, though... Watch... Sorry, one second. Watch as that joke becomes reality a few months later. <laughs> when Spartacus happens, I'm gonna shit bricks. Anyways. But yeah, but it also points out that it's not just affecting just phones. Any auto navigation systems, alarm systems, early e-readers, and other Internet of Thing gadgets that rely on 3G networks of data will no longer work. Oh, your old GPS. Oh my god, that's... Aw, oh, man. Yeah, so that's kind of a big deal. God... And then you wonder why there's no 2G or 1G networks, because those were probably already shut down 10,000 years ago. Yeah, most likely. Um, man, I, I, I'm going to miss... I'm going to miss... Have, I mean, I don't actually have one anymore, but... Uh, you know, back in, like, 2016, I had a really terrible phone, and it, just before you got a text message, it would make this, like... But up, but up, but up, but up, sort of noise. I'm gonna miss it being a fortune teller phone. You probably just change your notification sound in your current phone to be like that using a custom notification sound maker. Yeah, but it's not the same. It, that's literally interference from the phone to the, the actual network, I think. Oh, shit, fuck. It, you, you know how, uh, they actually had this in Grand Theft Auto 4. If you got, like, a text message from somebody, I think, hmm. um, it would actually make a noise. And then your phone would pop up, I think. Interesting. Anyways, I'm sorry. No worries. Um, but our next topic is also another fallen hero. This time to the co-inventor of Ethernet. Yeah, um, I'm gonna spend like a few minutes on this topic, uh, mostly as like a tribute, you know, to Ethernet, you know. Um, you can go ahead on the article though. So I'll David Boggs, who is a co-inventor of Ethernet, died at 71 years old on March 1st. And it says, he was best known for co-inventing the Ethernet PC connections that introduced like PCs in close proximity to other computers, computers, and the Internet over both wired and wireless connections. 
The Xerox Park Research Lab in Palo Alto developed much of the PC tech we tech for granted today, like graphics, user interface, mouse, and word processor. Boggs joined the team in 1973 and started working with fellow researcher Bob Metcalf to send information to and from the lab's computer. In about two years, they had designed the first version of Ethernet, a link that could send transmit data up to 2.94 megabits per second over a coaxial cable. It borrowed in part from a wireless networking system developed at the University of Hawaii called AlohaNet, tapping into Boggs' passion for ham radio. He was the perfect partner for me, Metcalf told the New York Times. I was more of a concept artist, and he was a build-the-hardware-in-the-backroom engineer. And you can see an image of one of these early coax like Ethernet systems. And just to think, two point nine megabits. That that's like. That that's like, really cheap upload speed nowadays. Yeah. And then you can see at this point a networking system called. ARPANET already existed, but was designed for connections over longer distances. Ethernet beat out competing technologies for near-proximity connections thanks to its clever packet technology. That allowed data to be sent over wires or wirelessly, and it would continue to work even if some packets were lost. Metcalf eventually founded the Ethernet networking giant 3Com, while Bog stayed at Park as a researcher. He later moved to mini-computer giant DEC, then started an Ethernet company called LAN Media. Ethernet became the data protocol for wired devices in the 80s and is the foundational tech used for Wi-Fi that first proliferated in the 1990s. Nearly 50 years later, it has never been replaced and is ubiquitous in nearly all digital devices. So why does it survive and thrive? Seems Ethernet does not work in theory, only in practice, Box once said. Metcalf told the New York Times. I mean, yeah. um, I mean, I use Ethernet. Matter of fact, I you know, I uh, have, I I've used up all the slots on my uh, my router for Ethernet. One for my computer. I have a computer downstairs, and there's also a few like devices downstairs that use that have an Ethernet slot, and. I just got to say, you know, I love Ethernet. The fact that it's, you know, it it is. What I mentioned before about USB, um, USB is so short compared to Ethernet. Ethernet can go for I think a hundred feet on like Cat Five E. Um, and then I think, I mean, recently the Ethernet standards have been getting a bit shorter. Um, like, I think the latest one, only 40 feet, before it starts to lose its uh, potency. Um, but I'm just running a Cat 5, you know, 5e. Um, no, I think it's Cat 6, actually. Um, and although it has its flaws, I love the fact that Ethernet exists and that it's a simple way to just access the internet without any spotty Wi-Fi. It's just directly from, to and from, A to B. Um, 
I mean, the only quarrels I have with Ethernet is just the tab that can snap off pretty damn easily. But that's only if you are, you know, if it's fishing through something and snags, which hopefully you don't pull it too hard and then, you know. Um, but most most nowadays are shielded. They have a, either a little rubber that hangs over that tab um, or a bit of plastic that prevents it from uh, being snagged on something. Uh, however, I just wish that there was an easier way to uh, have it snap in properly without... Because I, I lost that tab um, on my older cable. I got like 100 megabits per second, and usually I was supposed to get 400, so obviously I had to replace it. Um, I mean, man, to think the oldest one was only like I said, as as much as a very cheap upload speed from a spotty uh, ISP, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and now I can get 40 gigabits, not bytes, bits, from my router to here if I upgrade my plan that high, you know? I could download Warzone in seconds. <laughs> And we all know how big that game is. Especially um, once it comes to mobile. Good luck with that one. <laughs> yeah, you probably need an external SD card or uh, an SSD uh, with like a weird like SATA to USB or C or micro, whatever your phone uses. And or hope just have supports. a really big internal storage and just say, God bless you. <laughs> yeah. Or side load like a... a just disable like all the apps that you don't need. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, um, matter of fact, they're probably just stream Warzone if it's that big. <laughs> um, point, might as well just get NVIDIA GeForce now or once Microsoft can get Game Pass going. Yeah, probably. Um, but what is more impressive though, and it's kind of sad, uh, a little bit better, but not quite. Uh, the NVIDIA cyber attack and how much got leaked. Especially with the supposed Switch successor. Oh, yeah. Let's see. So, once we get this loaded, then we'll get going on that. And then we're almost down to our list here. Oh, yeah, certainly. Um... Yeah, um, first it was a outage, apparently. Yeah, so um, it's, well, various articles talking about the same thing, but again, you know, we have a couple things we have to talk about here. So, when we go back to February 25th, it says NVIDIA may have been hit by a cyber attack. And it's saying that NVIDIA's email systems developer tools have reportedly been experiencing outages over the last few days due to a suspected cyber attack. The company told the Telegraph, which first reported on the issue, that it was investigating an accident. It didn't have anything else to share for now. And the company is believed to be dealing with a... Go back. 
malicious network intrusion that, in the words of one person with knowledge of the situation, completely compromised NVIDIA's internal systems. Some of its email services were said to be back online on Friday. It's not clear whether hackers obtained data on NVIDIA or its customers, or if this is actually a cyber attack. And good news, there's nothing tied to Russia, so we don't have to worry about that. It's kind of a precursor to what actually happened. But then we get to the main event here. NVIDIA DLSS source code leaked. And one of the main things it did is it put out put out critical driver source code. The ability to disable LHR for mining. So that is NVIDIA's blocking technology to prevent to discourage mining on their graphics cards. And now people found a way to bypass that. That's good and bad. Uh, um, I don't like the idea of light hash rate because I, I feel like it uh, it undermines the actual problem. And didn't they like release a driver by accident that disabled it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I remember that happened. Uh, All right. Anyways, so in the in the list that we have down here, what looks credible enough includes C plus plus files, headers, and assets to make up DLSS. There's also a super convenient programming guide document to help developers make sense of the code and build correctly. Our tipsters who their tipsters who sent the screenshot are examining the code to see if the inner workings of DLSS and whether there's any secret sauce. Do note that this is DLSS version 2.2, so it's a reasonably recent version including the DLSS 2.2 changes. This code they could hold the key for the open source Linux driver community to bring DLSS to the platform, or even AMD and Intel learning from design. Stealing intellectual property is a big deal, of course, and NVIDIA's lawyers will probably be busy picking apart every new innovation from their competitors, but ultimately, it'll be hard to prove in a court of law. So think of it this way. One, you're going to have the ability to bypass light hash rate. Two, there's going to be... Companies like Intel, who's trying to get in the graphic card game, could potentially learn from DLSS and just tweak it even further to make it better. But it's also stealing intellectual property. Yeah. Um, oh, it also mentions about a Blackwell architecture. Mm -hmm. um, that, um, that, uh, the leak even included that, which is a future architecture. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, really early on uh, info. Um, and then if you click on the image that the article had, it's the tech power-up article. Yeah. You can see all the different files here. And then one of these files here is the NVN anything is NVN we're going to get to that pretty soon but that ties with the Nintendo Switch oh my god I see it so this could potentially mean that a future and you can see in the in the address bars here like G slash integ dev GPU drive 
Intag GPU drive stage relative drivers NVN2. And you can see a lot of the articles with like the addresses of the folder, all of them say NVN2. And a lot of people yeah, are spe speculating that this could mean that the next version of the Switch could have DLSS built into it, allowing it, the next version of the Switch to achieve 4K visuals. Probably not native, but that's still impressive nonetheless. And it can allow the Switch, this next Switch, to get games that the original Switch couldn't get because of the fact that it doesn't have anything to help keep the resolution and frame rate up to snuff. Mm -hmm. But more on this later. There's some interesting news about that. So we're going back to saying NVSS hackers are leaking company at the ransomware attack. And here we go. So now we're at the point where NBA confirmed that hackers stole sensitive data from the networks, including employee credentials and proper proprietary company information. That's the bad news. But however, a ransomware outfit called Lapsus Dowersaw, I forgot how it's actually pronounced, has taken responsibility for the breach on its Telegram channel and claims to have sold one terabyte of information, including highly confidential secret data and proprietary source code. A corner post from the group, again, it talks about MBS hash rate limiter, which reduces Ethereum mining performance of the company's RTX 30 series graphics card. And yeah. Apparently, too, this group also managed to do a ransomware scene in December with an attack on Brazil's Ministry of Health that sold 50 terabytes of data, including citizens' vaccination information. And also, they targeted Portuguese media group Impresa and South America Telecommunication provider Claro and Embertel. Yeah, so, so obviously that's really huge. Yeah. Um. Um. The only thing I'm afraid of is some of that terabyte of information being, um, customer related or uh you know yeah because it did mention that it's employee related yeah but i just i, I don't know if it, if you know like even though it's employee related i you know i'm afraid of some of it actually being like you know nvidia accounts or something you know yeah. You know, like for GeForce Now, I guess, or, or uh, yeah. for uh, GeForce Experience. Um, right. Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but. But back to um, the most important aspect of why this league was very important, besides all this stuff, it's to do with the Switch. What does this mean by the Switch? So, obviously, as we know, you know, it's something to do with NVIDIA. They spotted MVN2, which is the graphics API. Now, I did watch a video on, like, Modern Vintage Gamer, which talked about this. 
And pretty much MVN2 is kind of like the graphics API that would be used for the Switch. So yeah, like DirectX, DirectX and all that stuff. It's like a Switch version of that. But, it still means that it could, some of the technology could potentially be implemented in the original Switch, which is fine. But this is all leading more towards a new Switch of some kind. Now, if you look through the files, they mentioned some of the very interesting stuff that they found here. For instance, several users were able to spot that the NVN2 API is designed to work with NVIDIA's Ampere GPU architecture. And it'll feature support for both ray tracing and the and DLSS 2.2. And there are also references to the T234 and T239 SOCs, which were going to power the new Nintendo Switch 2 console. And if we scroll down a little further, you can see a, gr a, a table that shows all the stuff. But before we get to that, uh, SOCs will be a custom orange design and will have a codename starting with D. The two possible codenames for the SOC are either Dance or Drake. Though some believe these SOCs and codenames were specific to the Switch Pro, which was then canceled in favor for a truly next-gen Switch console. The T234 is designed to suggest the feature a 2048 Ampere GPU CUDA cores and 12 times ARM Cortex-A78AE 64-bit cores. The T239 will be custom designed based on the suggested based on this is suggested to offer slightly different specifications. The specific GPU that the SOC will be using seems to be the Ampere GA10F and is rumored to feature the chip is said to feature the same SEC8N rate as Orin 1024FP32 rate, or half of Orin. The SOC will also likely carry AV1 support. So if we scroll down here, now we get a graph, like, we're back at the table. And there you can see what it's comparing to. So the Tegra X1 is what's in the Switch, obviously. But if you look toward the right, you'll then see what Orin may be offering here. And it seems like this is going to be a very capable chip. Okay. I don't know what you think, um. but... I mean, um, I'm a little lost on the whole, uh, you know, uh, I'm a little lost, I guess, uh, on the you know, technical tech technicals of it. Um, but, uh, I, I do wonder, you know, what if the DLSS is already in the switch, like the switch that you know you or I would have right now. Um, well, the thing is, it's not, and the reason why, because DLSS needs tensor cores. That's something that the switch does not have. 
Okay. I see. All right. Um, maybe, uh, I don't know. Because, like, yeah, like, DLSS is more of an algorithm than something like FSR, which is, you know, mostly just uh, a very simpler, uh, what I say, it was like shader math almost, you know, so I don't know. Um, but either way, dis disregarding the technical stuff, the fact that this next switch is supposed to be powerful enough to handle DLSS and ray tracing is what's the most important of the whole set. And I, I wouldn't mind it, you know? Yeah, a more powerful switch for you to be able to play Smash Brothers and have your Undertale Sans costume ready. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, um... Be the true, uh... Uh... Be the true, uh... Sand Slayer. I don't know. Oh my god, yeah, you have to get the... You have to get the Doomslayer costume too? Yeah, and then just put Sans head on top of it. The greatest timeline, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yes, uh... Delta Rune and Undertale. Toby Fox merges with Bethesda, which is also owned by Microsoft. And now <laughs> I can play Delta Rune Chapter 3, Day 1, with Game Pass. Woo! <laughs> or uh, Undertale Chapter 2, whatever he's doing. I don't know. Delta Rune. Yeah, probably. Well, I think he finished Chapter 2, so Chapter 3 is the one that's up next. I'm not too uh, familiar with Delta Ruin versus Undertale, unfortunately. Maybe someone but... should just, I don't know, gift it to you, maybe? Who knows? This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> this is why you feel your sins crawling. Dun -dun 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 -dun. I swear to fucking God. I, I see you. Control V. I, I know you're gonna. So, what this motherfucker did was, we had a BRB, okay? And, um, you know, my VTuber model popped in the frame, and then he immediately hit enter and sent a message for Me6 to play Megalovania, but it's an acapella by Hatsune Miku. And I came back, and I put my headset on, and I was like, Hatsune Miku and Smash as a joke. And then and then but it's not actually like that. It's more like something like that. And um so yeah. Uh this is further proof that we need Hatsune Miku and Smash. <laughs> Anyways. Now we just have to get the rubber duck and we're good. The crossover we all... The fuck? <laughs> I love how I'm like mentioning the rubber duck and you're just like, the crossover we... Oh. Shit. <laughs> just get a fucking rubber duck me costume and then put Hatsune Miku as a, as a me fighter. 
Anyway, so our next article here is from Nikan Asia, and we're going to be talking about how Toyota is halting operations at all Japanese plants due to a cyber attack. Ooh, that's not good. No, so... It says, Toyota Motor on Tuesday halted operations at all of its plants on in Japan after a major supplier was hit by a cyber attack, disrupting the automaker's parts supply management system. It actually is a very basic article, but still big enough to be worth talking about. It says, all giant supplier hit by ransomware factors due to restart on that Wednesday. So, oh, that's a big blow. Like, three days, or kind of roughly, like, a few days lost of production? Yeah, that definitely could mean something, especially with the current, uh, you know, chip shortage thing. Uh, the the thing that scared me with this article is I saw Kojima Industries, which is not the same thing as Kojima Productions. And un unfortunately, though, my mind uh, skipped a beat. You know, usually your heart does, but my mind skipped a beat. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and uh, Metal Gear Solid 6 confirmed? No, I'm just kidding. Um, anyways... Uh, we can talk about how Far Cry Beyond got confirmed dead. So now we're up to the shitpost category. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Uh, let me tell you all about this fucking thing. Uh, so, I mentioned at the start of this, uh, this video that, um, I, uh, I upload a video, and uh, that just so happens to be Far Cry 4. Um, and here we are. Far Cry Beyond. Um, the new game is a... is an... and co-op? Is a co-op open-world-style board game built around a branching storyline featuring individual missions and scenarios set in the 1980s. So... Blood Dragon 2. Anyways, um, Far Cry Beyond will use legacy-style aspects in which additional weapons, characters, and components hidden away in boxes are unlocked throughout the game, providing more options or more challenges for players. You can also check out uh, Quackalope's first look. Sorry, that's... Quackalope? Oh my god. When now rubber ducks have become an ingrained joke between the two of us, and now we see quack. You motherfucker. I... God damn it. Um, anyways, as expected of a Far Cry game, uh, focus on combat, each player will control a number of characters, uh, enemies are... What? Enemies are controlled by an AI system? What do you mean AI system? It's a fucking board game. Um... Despite releasing six games, Far Cry franchise doesn't have a shared setting or characters. Instead, there are a few similar themes. Prevailing against some tyrant. Um, so, yeah, anyways. Um, so this is supposed to be like a board game thing. But it's like a... I mean, I don't know what it means by AI system because it's a board game. Mm. But maybe it's like... A digital board game thing, like you know how like uh, there's well, like Monopoly or like well there's actually well there's actually pieces that you move because I remember when we previewed the video, I glimpsed at it. 
Yeah. But besides the point, like I, while this is a high quality board game, I do kind of feel like it's Ubisoft kind of just losing its understanding of its consumer base. When right now they're kind of going through a bit of a PR crisis with its stance on cryptocurrency and other problems. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, they kind of just, uh, you know, miss the beat with that. And then, uh, hey, here's a board game, by the way. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm sure it's going to be a quality board game, and it may be worth playing. The only issue is the fact that we're currently going through a Ubisoft that is not the best received by its fan base. I mean, hey, Far Cry for everybody. Literally, yeah. I mean, it's one thing we talked about Skyrim getting a board game, because that was starting to come everything. It's like, yeah, whatever, it's just Skyrim. But Far Cry is in a situation right now where 6 wasn't re reviewed the best. They're, you're releasing a board game alongside a mixed-reviewed game. That's not going to be a good look. Yeah. Um... I still haven't played Far Cry 6, actually. Um, I'm waiting for the best time when it's on sale. Get it um, off of Epic Games or just see if you could go through all those. Like, I actually, I don't think you'd want to go through a key reseller site. No, that's probably a bad idea. Nah, nah. But uh, anyways, that's besides the point. Um, but I, I kind of don't like it from the very start. Mm. Um, because, like, there's that, like, rocket launcher backpack Beyblade. I don't know. Uh, I don't... I, that's too dumb for me. Even for Far Cry, that's too dumb. <laughs> that is a great way to lose your hearing immediately. <laughs> I don't know. Just, uh, but uh, Far Cry Beyond, I mean... Yeah, like you said, this is going to be a good board game. Good quality, but... It feels out of place. Like, I don't understand why it exists, or why it has to exist. Like, the board um, game itself, the character designs and everything just don't scream Far Cry. And it no, like, not really. It feels like it'd just be better off as its own thing without having to partner with Ubisoft to put the Far Cry brand on it. Honestly, that's true. I mean, Far Cry doesn't really have, like, a, a character identity, you know? I mean, you got, you know, for Far Cry 1, it was, like, really cringy. Far Cry 2, you're, like, a, some uh, mercenary in Africa who's dying of malaria poisoning. Or poisoning, what the fuck am I saying? Uh, 3, you're on an island with your friends and they, like, all get captured and... Uh, you have to man up and become the jungle. For you're just trying to scatter your mother's ashes, and you get caught up in a civil war between a rebel group and a, a, a king who happens to be your uncle, and yet you some for some reason you side with the golden path. Uh, and at five, you're a deputy. You get stranded in a fucking valley, uh, and all of a sudden you just become this big badass out of nowhere you know you're, you don't even have a face um uh and six i don't know you're fighting uh another dictator but 
It's in like a Mexico, Cuba, Mexico. Okay. Um, and the spinoffs, Blood Dragon is like an '80s cheesy spinoff. Uh, Which Primal I... is. Uh, Primal is Caveman Far Cry. Mm. Um, and you also get to command birds and tigers to attack your prey. Mm. And New Dawn was Far Cry Five, but uh, you're fighting a bad guy who is like a uh, like a, a rival gang that thinks that it's better than everyone else. Uh, even though the main villains are quite cringy. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, I feel like if you had to compare this board game to something that already exists with Far Cry. This definitely seems closest to Blood Dragon, but that's like a loose stretch. Yeah, it really is, because Blood Dragon was supposed to be set in the distant future of 2012. Um, not really. <laughs> um, in the distant future of 2015, where everything is cyberpunk and all that. Um, but also it's very neon and stuff, and there's like dinosaurs, I guess. Clearly uh, this was like... what. 1980s imagining our time frame now to be like yeah trying to well, go for that sort of this... style yeah oh and also the dlcs of five there's like vietnam far cry um there's like a zombies mode that isn't actually zombies but it's more like a really shitty side story and then there's lost on mars which is like laser guns like aliens uh, and Six's DLC is just the previous games, but with a different twist. I haven't seen it. I don't want to be spoiled, because that's actually my favorite most part, is going back to the roots, I guess. Mm. But anyways, back to, back to this uh, fucking board game shit. Uh, I mean, it doesn't really have an identity, in my opinion. There's, like... Um... From, from left to right, there's this person who has, like, head, a headset on. There's Hunk from Resident Evil <laughs> with a fucking hairdo. Uh, there is um, Mr. Buff Tan. Uh, uh, Looked like Larry the Lobster. Uh, there's this lady, I think. Uh, she's a lady. I, uh, maybe. I'm not sure, actually. I... Maybe non-binary. I don't know, cause I don't. I can't see the chest, but I, I assume it's covered up. But I don't know. Um, with pink hair, and she's super buff, or they're super buff, I guess. And then there's this guy who looks like a. You know, I'm gonna be honest. This this fucking guy. Uh, his face looks like it just got mirrored on the other side. It looks like he got stretched. His face got stretched. Uh, oh, the guy on the far right? Yeah, the guy on the far right, he he, he looks like a painting. He, like, he, if you split his face down the middle, it's like they just took half of his face, flipped it, and then pasted it on the other side. <laughs> like, if you look at a distance, it looks like... He, yeah. It just looks fucked up. I, I do kind of see um, that, that whole, like, line look to it, but... Yeah, but anyways, um, I mean, this doesn't seem to have an, I, I mean, this kind of has an identity to it, 
but it's not but... like a Far Cry identity. No, this looks like a. This looks like a. I don't know. It looks like its own thing, but not in a good way. Yeah, I like I said. I do think the board game itself and the mechanics they present seem fine, but it to me it just seems like it shouldn't have that Far Cry name on it. Because it just makes no. Ubisoft look like they're not in... It makes it seem like Ubisoft's just tone deaf. When the actual board game creator of Fun Forge is trying to make a good game. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it just shouldn't be called called Far Cry. Or be associated with Far Cry as a uh, game series. This it's would... Called... This could, could just be called... Uh, Vaporwave the game, the board game. I don't know. Just call it Beyond or something. Just something simple like that, and that that's it. Oh yeah, call it Beyond uh, the Cry. I don't know. Beyond the Cry of Action. I don't know. Right. Um. But I think there's something more entertaining we have to talk about. Yeah, something that relates to crying and action. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting 360 no-scoped by a toddler in this fucking thing. <laughs> what the ever-loving fuck is this? Okay, so, uh, Hydra, do you have the image on, on your screen? It is there, yep. Holy shit. What the fuck is this? Okay, I'm... I'm okay, besides VTech... Okay, because VTech is not great um, with, like, information and stuff. But, but, so, why the fuck is there a gamer chair with a keyboard? Mouse. I think that's a mouse. I don't know what that blue thing over there on the left is, or on the right of the keyboard. Uh... There's a headset, like, holder. Like, I could literally have my headset, like, hung on this thing. Um, and it literally has that design. Literally, look at Hydro's chair, then look back at this thing. You can tell it's imitating that type of design. My fucking god. And, and what are these, like, these look like cowboy boots for, like, leg stands uh and don't even get me started on the actual keyboard it's fucking rgb keyboard what the fuck is this why does this need to exist and uh, you know for toddlers gg gaga uh Man, imagine getting fucked up in Warzone or Fortnite by some squeaker who's sitting in their fucking shit-filled diaper ass on this on this, uh, on this, this, this chair. <laughs> and you just hear, like, you just, you get killed by them. And you're screaming your fucking head off. And then... I don't know, you 
you you type GG because you're not that much of a you know a sore loser, and then they invite you to a party. And it's just some fucking little child going like. <laughs> And you are just baffled. And you know that it's a little kid. And now, your entire life of video gaming has really peaked to this moment where you realize that there is no higher honor than um, understanding that you suck that bad. That somebody whose brain has not even left the stage of growth. Uh, the he, Somebody who doesn't even know how to pee in a toilet properly. Somebody who still needs to eat potted, like, apples applesauce fucking I don't know you just got your ass handed to you by this little shit what were they thinking like what the fuck and the best part or the worst part it, this chair is only $50 what the fuck How is it only 50 bucks? I mean, that's good, but why do you need to... Why do you need to spend 50 bucks on this? <laughs> yeah, uh, let's see. Future Fortnite players. Baby gamer chair. Uh, 50 level up gaming chair. No! I... What the fuck is this? Holy shit. Uh, it has to interact with parts of the key, a light-up keyboard that kids can play with to learn numbers and letters, even piano keys. And the keyboard console can be detached for on-the-go play, and the tray it normally rests on can be used for snack time as well, so kids never have to leave their game in this this fall. <laughs> my life. Uh, apparently there's a Fisher-Price Laugh and Learn controller too. Okay, that's fine. So, if you right-click, if you make that go in another tab, it looks like a video game controller as a baby toy. And I'm just going to load the Amazon link for those who don't know what the world I'm talking about. It's this thing. <laughs> you can yeah, act. it's this thing. What? A D-pad with one, two, three, four, and a star. A circle. So, 
So for 50 bucks, you can get a camcorder for your child. <laughs> they have a fucking camcorder. Uh, is there a way I can censor the... Okay, that's better. Uh, let me just see. Uh, Alright, and I'll full screen it this time when not show the... Yeah, you can get a fucking camcorder. <laughs> what in the absolute fuck is this? And that's from VTech too. It's the same company. <laughs> the... So either way, you're giving VTech fifty dollars for something, or don't. Like, just. Don't <laughs> like th they even have VTech branded SD cards that are two gigabit gigabytes of storage. <laughs> what the fuck? They have VTech branded Kitty Zoom camera memory cards. <laughs> you know, I I wonder what my SP thinks of me shopping for this. And this is why this is the greatest invention in the eyes of Fufapaka. He wants that gaming chair. I'm gonna... I'm gonna pre-order it. Oh, just pre-order it and give it to your cousin? Just pre-order give it to your cousin or nephew? I'll be great. Yeah. Except, uh... No. Never. I don't want I don't ever want to see any of my offspring <laughs> or my family's offspring sit in one of these things thinking that they are the toughest shit. I, I don't want to uh Enforce that try-hard uh, mentality <laughs> at a young age. What if someone modded this, the keyboard, so it works on a computer? I'm gonna leave the building. <laughs> That's what. And they it's make like, a matching fine. mouse and a proper, like, headset to go along with it, too. Or if they get a headset, they can just spray paint and everything the same colors as the... Uh, provided, and then they complete it with a uh, Bluetooth telephone from an earlier episode. The Fisher Price phone, I'll be that'd be perfect. Yeah, and then they combine it with a drum set, and then they combine it with this like, uh, scooter unicorn and a smartwatch, and uh. Uh, this like fishnet thing, what whatever that is, the Fisher no, uh, wow, VTech fishing set, Fisher Price, get on my level.
<laughs> the greatest um, invention. Um, uh, Alpaca, you have anything else to say on the topic? Um, no. I'm not going to stretch this on any longer. <laughs> I just got to say that... <sighs> paired with the Laugh and Learn controller from Fisher-Price... Um, it, does this actually work? No, it doesn't. Fuck. Never mind. So much I was going to say... Yeah, I was going to say, this is like the weirdest fucking thing you could give somebody. It looks like a GameCube like uh, controller. But why is it in Spanish, though? Hold on, what? Oh, maybe it's... Eh, whatever. <sighs> Anyways. um, No, I have nothing else to say about this. Like I said, let's not drag this on any longer than it needs to be. Uh, with that being said, though, um, yes, uh, yeah, <laughs> we have no comment of the day. Um, and if you like what you see, uh, please like, comment, subscribe, or follow us on any of the platforms that we're on, be it like YouTube or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it, or also check us out on Discord or e or now check us out on Reddit as well. We'd love to grow all the different communities and hope that we can kind of prosper a nice video content sharing community. Oh, certainly. Uh, the Reddit is r slash hydrowave99. Um, That's H-Y-D-R-O-W-A-V-E-9-9. Yep. So. And uh, you'll find, uh, while it's slightly barren, it, with your input, and uh, further input from us and other people. Hopefully, we can have a decent-sized community that is that just is will come together. I guess you know. Yes, um, and we'll share all the video content that I I make on the channel, and we'll also have Fluffo Packa come by. And if he wants to share anything on the Reddit, people also feel free to have him post his videos on there too. It'll be the an ultimate Reddit community. Not just of my content, but for all of Flip Alpaca's content as well. Oh, yeah. With the utmost uh, love, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, by the way, um, Coca-Cola Starlight. I, I tried it. It tastes like berry Coca-Cola, like strawberry, I think. Um, so, uh, and also a little bit of blackberry, by the way, and maybe raspberry, I think. Right. Uh, no, it almost tastes like cotton candy. It's like Coca-Cola. I've heard a lot of people say mixed things about it. Some people say there's a cinnamony aftertaste. Other people say it's like this and this, but really, not, but I don't know if that's a different variant or whatever, but I do know that. Everyone seems to have a different reaction to that thing, so. Yeah, um, I bought a, you know, they only have the mini pack where I am, so, yeah, but, I, and I've only had about two cans now, um, because they're the mini cans, I can't really get a big taste test, but I don't think you need it that much, um, 
also I do kind of taste the cinnamoniness. Um, cinnamoniness is something. Yeah. Um, but hey, that's that's uh, additional news for what I've been doing. I tried Coca Cola Starlight. You know, the the thing is though is that there was this guy when I when we were at the when I was at the self checkout. He was like, "Man, these people try everything," and I was just like. I, I don't know if I should have been an asshole and antagonized him further uh, than, you know, but I was about to, like, turn around and say, like, well, what the fuck is the problem with trying new things? You know, what, get that stick out, out of your ass. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, what, what I spend my money on is none of your concern, buddy. Um, anyways, I don't know. Just figured I'd mention that. Don't be afraid to try new things. Right. Anyways, um, if you guys like what you see, uh, like I said, uh, like, comment, subscribe, everything like that down below. Follow us on YouTube and Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it, and any other platform where our thing is on. Also, like I said, join us on Discord and Reddit so we can start fostering community. Anyways, I'm Hydroid99. F Bobby Connick. You know, we have to say. Just kidding. Fuck Bobby Connick. Um, I'm Phil Fulpacker. Woo! Um, and we'll see y'all next time, right? Yes. Bye, everyone. Bye. Check us out.